0: It's Friday, October twenty eighth, twenty twenty two, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for
1: Breakfast. Smokey, this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules. Today,
2: Junior, America, Steak for Breakfast.
3: So stand by.
4: Staying,
5: nothing was done for me, so I don't plan on stopping at all. I want this shit forever, mind, ever,
6: mind, ever, mind. the shit down in the mall and selling her girl, she the one for me. And I ain't even planning the call. I want this shit forever, mine, ever, mind, ever, mind, Never
7: mind. Last name. This
0: episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blowtorches, t shirts, coffee cups, and all around barbecue related gear. For you to make barbecue great again, can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, Man Rubs. Use a code STAKE15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at StayReadyGear.com and on Instagram, StayReadyGearUSA. USA. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. That hot melt- melted plastic that we all love so much. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use a code steak for five percent off don't get ready stay ready
2: the pillow king of minnesota and the apparatus known as the my pillow family hitting up the overstock sale right now right before the holiday season Ooh. my slippers the air version ones and twos my beds my dog beds we got the biblical pillows you name it mike lindell slinging it biblical
0: pro- pillows like yeah. are they shaped like 10 commandments
2: Closed, like the tablets oh perfect i love it and uh if you enter promo code steak at checkout you're gonna get big big savings there if you're more of a morning person my coffee's launched it's available in the bag the bean and the pod you enter promo code steak there you're gonna get 25 percent off your total order mypillow.com forward slash steak anything sleep related mystore.com forward slash steak anything breakfast related or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative 1-800-658-8045 The top tier of ear gear from the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, want this shit forever? Get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Find them on Facebook, find them on Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company. Aged three years, hand-picked tobacco leaves from the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans a tight roll, and premium smoke. You enter promo code STEAK there, you're getting 15% off your total order. All orders over $100, free shipping, and a $10 E-gift card. MyPatriotCigar.com is the website, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the trades, and Don't Live in Canada. He's also got a five-star rating. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook, Messenger, and via the telephone. 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast, back's the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the jobs. Plus, they got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last, but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fuck Stuck and the gold standard of tactical flair. Dumpbox. Gotta check it out. Get yourself something. Holiday season's coming up. Stocking stuffers galore. Patches, t shirts, pins, flags, you name it. Marcho Fridays got it. Still don't know? Go ask them. Dumpbox.us is the website. They're on Instagram there on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at Podcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll it. take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Getter and True Social. Welcome. Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 182. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. Hey, guys. Cutting through that white noise. Guys, we've got a big show. I know we teased our guest. We've added a bunch more. You're going to absolutely love it. So before we get into any of the news, let's jump in with one of our favorite gubernatorial candidates. All right, joining us first on the show today, he's coming in with a big campaign update from the road. He's uh, one of our favorite guests. He's the Trump-endorsed gubernatorial Republican nominee, the great state, Pennsylvania, Senator Doug Mastriano. Thanks for coming back on the show.
6: It's great to be with you. Guys. I, what's this, about my, my third or fourth time with you? I mean, we've, we've been together for some time. It's fantastic.
2: Since the beginning, I believe this is, believe it or not, this is time five. Mm. So Wow. Yeah, <laughs> great to have you. Listen, we'd have you every day. Our listenership between you and, like, one or two other candidates running in Senate, House, and Governor, you're always, like, get Doug back on the show. I'm like, guys, it's not that easy. Yeah, you're <laughs> one of the favorites for sure. So yeah, Wow, I'm glad to hear it. I, I, I think before we get into anything, I mean, we're just a few days away from the start of it. It's something that's kind of been... Uh, uh, well, it's like a fan, it, you know, created from the grassroots, which is like the root, uh, the heart and soul of your campaign. It's almost Doug Vember. Are you excited for the start of it?
6: Oh yeah, let's get this on. <laughs> yeah. What's really cool is I'm told that our merch, our political campaign merchandise is number two in a nation behind Donald Trump I mean it's nice. fantastic
2: yeah that's pretty awesome <laughs> you, you've had some of the bigger pundits just uh hitch their wagons to your campaign and and it's taken off because I tell you what we were talking about before we started recording today it seems like everywhere you go Doug there's just a huge huge turnout and everybody is really not only interested but excited for what you're bringing to the table
6: and, and that's a fact. I mean, uh, we don't have to spin anything because, as you just said, it's 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 happening. We, you know, we've campaigned in Democrat areas, and we'll get hundreds showing up. But we were in Erie, which is a Democrat city, uh, last time six hundred came out. Uh, we were in uh, outside, just outside of Pittsburgh, in a, in a working class Democrat area. Not one protester, and it was standing room only in this veterans hall, four or five hundred people. We've uh, done events in Philly and the outskirts of Philly, even yesterday and uh, one event was standing room was like 400 people. And then the other two events we did in the area were several hundred people as well. I mean, that translates to lots of votes and lots of support. And so, you know, when we have our acting secretary of state, who's a Democrat, you know, an activist, I would say. Sure. Hmm. uh, Come out the other day and say, well, we're not sure we're gonna be done counting on election day. I'm like, oh no, don't even go there.
2: Yeah, I think uh, we we could be ready for any surprises on Election Day, but I think uh, one of the ones that won't shock anybody is when you win the governorship there and uh, get that state back on the right track. Um, We saw recently that uh, you're rolling out a new crime policy plan, and uh, we'd like to talk to you about it. Do you want to let our listenership know just about how, I mean, we we talk about everything that's going on in these Democrat-controlled-run cities for for decades now and how the uh, Republican candidates are really resonating to the top of the uh, national tickets because, you know, places like Pennsylvania, places like New York, historically where in in midterm election cycles you don't see them catching as much traction, people have had it. Uh, you can't even walk outside yep. of the house right now without getting sucker punched, carjacked, held up at gunpoint, thrown down the stairs, thrown on a subway platform, and who knows what well, killed. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's that's the reality of it, especially if you work in, you know, a convenience store, bodega. We talked about, you know, Wawa taking off from parts of uh, Philadelphia last time. What's, what's going on with this crime policy plan, and what are some of the things you're looking to do uh, day one and moving forward?
6: As a quick recap, my opponent is the senior law enforcement official for six years, and he's presided over a failed... Uh, you know, uh, crime policy. He's soft on crime. I know Fetterman gets a lot of, you know, flack for his, his soft on crime, which he deserves, but who also sits on the parole board is my opponent. And, uh, you know, talking about crime in Pennsylvania or any state at the federal Senate level, it, it's 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 interesting, but there is nothing a federal Senator can do about crime in a state. It, it, tell me something they can do. It's, it's a governor's issue. And so I have this this crime policy that will take crime head on. on so In a nutshell, on day one, we become a a law and order state. That's different than what my opponent stands for. He's part of the Defund the Police BLM Antifa crowd. He did nothing during the riots in 2020. He supports them. Right now, he's quiet about it, but, you know, we know where he stands. And so I'll have the backs of our police officers. We'll fund the police. We'll increase our our number of officers, you know, across the state. We already have. uh, One of my Senate bills was rolled into our fiscal budget in July, and we're increasing state police by 200. Um, Also, uh, making sure they have the resources they need. Surging special prosecutors in the Philly and other high crime areas, uh, not having a soft on crime approach anymore, going after this cashless bail nonsense where criminals are let out. And about 70 percent of them, I'm told, in the next few days after the route, without any penalty, go after the victims or those that call the police on them. And so, uh, you know, holding uh, criminals accountable, Uh, having tougher sentences for uh, those who deal who are dealers in drugs that kill people a minimum of 25 years but potentially the death penalty i mean it, it's really a common sense no nonsense approach to protecting the people whether you're in Philadelphia or in Forest County you'll know that you you know that law and order is restored also will no longer be a sanctuary state on day 1 uh, illegals they're, they're not immigrants they're illegals illegals will be uh, if they fly into our state as they have been or my state police will meet them at the gate of the airports when they're on their buses and escort them down to Delaware. Joe Biden can have them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tell you, I would tell you what, Senator. That that sounds like a really. Amazing, but just as simple as it gets idea, law and order, people can walk out of their house and feel safe. We're going to end all these funny business things that have been plaguing these Democrat-ran uh, major cities and states for so long. It starts with, you know, the DA and and, and the weak administrators and, and, and at the top of a lot of these police forces. We saw what Eric Adams did. He parlayed his job into one that he didn't do as a law enforcement official into the mayor, and look at how New York spun out of control. We've got the same situation in in uh, Pennsylvania right now with, with Josh Shapiro and how he's been the top cop there for so long, and, and, and it's just become nearly unlivable, and I'm, the people are sick of it. You know, people are leaving, and, and they want to be able to feel safe. You know, their kids can't even walk down the street. You talked about the open border policies, the fentanyl that's coming in because of that, yeah. and, and getting into the hands of the children is just, you know, something like we've never seen before, and it sounds like just like a common-sense policy. Just getting back to the basics is, is what it would take to get places like Pennsylvania back on the right track
6: and you're right it's really not that hard the democrats have taken us so low and, and you know when you talk about fentanyl pennsylvania you know we're far away from the mexican border but uh, we are a border state we're the fourth worst uh, in, in deaths for fentanyl in the nation 12 to 15 pennsylvanians every day we have an open air drug market that deals in fentanyl largely you know, in, in downtown philly and uh, i was there without cameras I don't, I don't do stunts i'm not a politician and, and uh, i was disgusted and heartbroken by what i saw and, i mean uh, one, and we talked to some of the residents there, you know, mom and a grandma and um, talked about how a, a homeless guy was killed and the uh, pieces of his body and the grapes he was eating when he was assassinated were left on the ground there for about, about a week. And the kids going to the playground and walk, you know, through his remains. Mm. I mean, it, this is America. We've become a third world backwater country under these failed Democrat policies. So this is no game. And this is in part why Josh Shapiro, my opponent's going to lose, you know, massively in just uh, what, 11 days so because he's all talk you know and, and he does nothing uh, he, he walks over the bodies of these victims to, you know for his next political office
2: no that's the case right there you know we all know he has aspirations higher than the governor of pennsylvania but i really do feel that he's not even going to be able to uh get to hold that office to say the least you you did say he uh it's very little at committee, any kind of action that's uh positive for the state of Pennsylvania. He is 100% not going to debate, right? We we can, uh, end yes. that narrative right here.
6: Yeah. I, I we've, I, I offered him now for 75 days, you know, for debate and, uh, it's, it's gotten easier and easier. We'll give him a box to stand on because, of course, he's concerned about his appearance next to me, whatever. Uh, he could bring Donna Brazile. She could have all the questions in her hands and cheat like she did with Hillary Clinton in 2016, and he still says no. He, he's afraid he's going to look like uh, Fetterman on the stage next to me, and he would.
2: All right. all right, you've mentioned it twice, so we want commentary on it. What did you think of that circus of a debate? I mean, Dr. Oz definitely mm-hmm. held his own. He stuck to the points, which we thought, you know, Kent, when, you, when you're going up against John Fetterman, who, who, like, all joking aside, has some legitimate disembodied right now. He's having a tough time with his health. But we said, you know, even if John Fetterman decides to go low, Dr. Ossia, just stick to the voting record, stick to the points, stick to the actual things that he's had his hands in. For the most part, he did that. Just uh, w- let him talk longer. Yeah. But w- w- what, what what did you think about the, how that whole debate went down?
6: I mean, debating somebody who has significant cognitive disabilities, who who obviously is greatly impaired. I mean, this guy's unfit for office. If that was a Republican, the media would be breathless reporting on how he needs to step aside. You know, this, he, he's unfit, he'll be, you know, one of 100 of the most powerful people in the country. And he needs a monitor, you know, like a cyborg to read off of, uh, to, to uh, understand the questions. And, you know, and who, who knows what was being typed there. And uh, I, I loved how he blurted out that he could not resist. He had to mention my name. You know, yeah. he was uh, criticizing Oz. He goes, you roll with Doug Mastriano. That's one of our campaign banners. Now we, you know, we roll with Doug, so huh. thank you for that. <laughs> hey, we, we,
2: we roll with Doug Mastriano since day one. Yeah, Senator, what's it, what's it looking like the next 11 days for you? We we obviously know there's going to be another Trump rally in Pennsylvania, we're sure you're very excited about that. Those things are always big turnouts. Uh, last time you were well received by the crowd, there It was an awesome moment watching on uh. On television, we obviously cover every Trump rally in depth on this show and play all of the uh, endorsed candidates when they come up to speak uh, with the president. But uh, besides the Trump rally that's coming down the pike, what are some of the other things you're going to be working on between uh, now and Election Day?
6: Uh, we're hitting a bunch more counties and many more events between now and, and November 8th, uh, where we're going to end our, our uh, last RV tour slash uh, bus tour in the Southeast, where I just was yesterday to record crowds. It's, it's kind of interesting. You know, my opponent hardly ever campaigns. He's got his basement Biden policy. Yep. And when he goes out, he can't draw flies in the garbage dump. I mean, he gets like a dozen people at events. They got to crop the picture so you can't see that, you know, with us, we, 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 uh, Handy audiences when we're doing our lives. We do lives at, at just about every event, yep. and this is why the left doesn't even troll me. You know, sometimes they have a, a camera guy walking around, you know, trying to t- intimidate you. It's like we, we live stream everything, anyways. so don't even waste your time. <laughs> And uh, we're, we're just going to push really hard up to the last. And, and we've been working uh, harder than any other candidate, you know, in this state. And we're going to continue pushing hard and taking our message directly to the people. So thank you for the opportunity to do that on your platform as well.
2: Oh, no, it's been our pleasure to be with you since day one. <laughs> Senator, we'll be tracking you live on election night. We'll be doing a show waiting for those results to come in. Hopefully Josh Shapiro is wrong. And, and we do get those uh those numbers in an election night. I feel that we will. It's pretty funny that you mentioned, like, his small crowds. I do remember last week I shared a tweet. It was like, Pennsylvania Republicans for... For Shapiro, and it was like three guys, and I, 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 just quoted it, and I was like, all three of them. I was like, come on. <laughs> so there was there was no coalition. It was just you know three old Adam Kinzinger's or yeah, three oldest chains. How many people
0: do you need for a coalition?
2: So Is yeah, a minimum. Know. Well, Maybe that's, it's four. Senator, what's your social medias and campaign website? We'll live link them in the show today. We'll make sure we get any last minute donations coming into you and anybody else that wants to help out down the uh, home stretch.
6: Yeah, thank you. I mean, we're at dougforgov.com This this is a huge race that affects every person in this country because we are an economic we could be an economic power yeah. if, as far as energy goes. So, uh, when I win as governor, we're going to go for number 1 in energy production, help America become energy independent again and help drive down inflation and also start shipping that off to our allies and uh, to get them off of Russian oil and gas to make the world a bit safer. So, dougforgov.com the volunteer no matter where you live in America, you can volunteer and to donate to our campaign get us across the line and change the course of our history and our nation.
2: Can't wait. I like it. And like we said, in in just four days, we'll we'll be starting Doug Vember, which will be the start of the, uh, Oh yeah, yeah, we needed to know. Yeah, we got everything today. I think we've checked all the boxes. This is the Trump endorsed Republican nominee for the governor of the great state, the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, Senator Doug Mastrano. Thanks for coming back on the show.
6: Thank you, gentlemen. See you soon.
2: This is a Fox News alert. Elon Musk
8: officially owns Twitter. He bought it not to make money, but to restore free speech to America. If he actually does that, this country will change forever. Immediately after the news came out, the CEO of Twitter, Parag Agarwal, who came to this country and immediately started destroying our most sacred freedom, and the CFO, Ned Siegel, are both gone. Yesterday, Musk walked in the door of Twitter with a sink Let that sink in, he said. As of tonight, the old regime is officially out, and Elon Musk runs Twitter. We'll see what happens. It could be amazing.
2: Well, that news broke late yesterday. Again, welcome to the show. I hope you guys enjoyed that big, big update from uh, Doug Vember himself, Mm. Pennsylvania Senator Doug Mastriano, the next governor of great state of Pennsylvania. Love that guy. Yeah, and in addition to uh, the breaking news that I got last night that his campaign manager called and said Doug wanted to come on the show and talk about his new uh, crime policies he's looking to implement on day one, Uh, Elon Musk, his purchase, his acquisition of Twitter is now complete, and he is now in full control. And like Tucker Carlson just alluded to, um, you know, has walked in and (sighs) – Cleaned house, in addition to the CEO, the CFO, and uh, Vijaya God, the Vagina God, the JJ God, the God day, the Twitter lawyer who, well, she considers herself a God. Because Can you imagine she-
0: that guy coming to the doctor's office and like the receptionist is like, Vagina God?
2: She wishes. I hope it was worth it for her because she was promptly fired and escorted out of the San Francisco office as well yesterday. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, listen, it. Let's see what happens. We don't know. So, you know, we we've had a lot of pundits weigh in. Of course, Jack Posobiec jumped on Tim Pool last night, and they got you know a little tipsy and started talking about how Twitter doesn't work without Donald Trump. Donald Trump also alluded to the same thing this morning. He he put out a truth that says he wishes Elon and the platform well. He ain't However, going back. It's not going to be successful if he's not there. So uh, there there was a fake Save America. You know. I can't wait to work cooperatively with the this African American business owner yesterday that made the you know the rounds and Devin Nunez quickly debunked it as not a Save America post. But uh, you know it's pretty funny to see. Very interesting uh, how this whole thing has worked out. Uh, we if we do know one thing about Elon Musk, he doesn't like putting his names on things that aren't successful. Um, he also likes wasting a lot of money on stuff that he knows. Uh, will do good. Let's just say, for instance, the Starlink stuff in places like Ukraine, where he basically foots the bill at the behest of the U.S. government, uh, for like the last six months there. And uh you know, I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think? It's, it's he, Elon Musk himself announced today that the shadow bands are, are are um being mandatorily lifted, so we should see more traction and gains. Uh, who knows? And then you, you get back into the whole restoring previously banned accounts. We don't know how that's going to work out yet either. But uh
0: Well, I think uh, until they get rid of all the cancerous, full retard, re-re-re angry people that work there, I mean, yeah. they there's people that know that eventually they're going to get fired, and as well they should be. But <laughs> while those people are expecting it to get fired, they're going right. to do everything they can to sabotage the uh, Twitter apparatus. Mm, I yeah. like it. Do you I think,
9: think he, I think he expects that though, and you know, Elon's a smart guy. I think he's got his shit covered for the most part. And yeah. I can't wait to see if uh, Donald Trump decides to actually get back on Twitter. That would be very interesting. He's not going to.
2: I don't know. I'm, I'm more. I'm. I'm on the yeah. fence about it. No, I he already he said he's might. not going to.
9: Yeah, he but said so. But he likes to be unpredictable. Yeah, you know.
2: So. I mean, there is that meme going around where it's like they're slowly typing your favorite president is back and everybody's like in anticipation. When he presses tweet, everybody goes crazy. Mm-hmm. So from uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, Jesse Waters weighed in yesterday on what Noah alluded to. It's how many people are going to get fired at Twitter. Let's hear what he had to say.
10: Threat to their cushy lifestyles and styles of yoga breaks and Here's a day in the life of a Twitter employee
11: welcome to a day in my life as a Twitter employee then made my way down to this log cabin area I don't know what this is but it was really cool I played some foosball with my friends to kind of unwind a bit um, also found this really cool meditation room that I thought was super neat. Um, I didn't do any yoga, but they have this yoga room. Made some espresso. And then before leaving for the day, had some red wine um, that's on tap.
10: Remember when Elon Musk said he wanted to cut the workforce <laughs> by 75%? Does it make sense now? Yes. Yes. After Elon said that, the employees fired back with an open letter. Don't you love those open letters? Yes. Demanding Elon Musk not fire a soul. <laughs> Their virtual jobs are just too important. And honestly, (laughs) they'll never, ever find a gig with this many perks again. So Musk is being made out to be the enemy when layoffs are common in Biden's economy. CNN, Warner Brothers, Discovery, all laying off workers. But it's only evil when he does it. Musk sent out a tweet today to advertisers cementing his commitment to making Twitter the true digital public square. And his even bigger commitment to make Twitter actually profitable. Their business model for the last 12 years was to not make money. And that comes to an end on Saturday. Which Prime Time saddened by because we won't be able to watch these day-in-the-life videos anymore. I mean, is this place just a billion-dollar cafeteria? Yes. <laughs> the only group of people more concerned than the employees, though, are Democrats. Hence, why Musk is under two separate investigations now. That. From the SEC and the Federal Trade Commission. Elon taking over Twitter is a doomsday scenario for him. The last thing they want is a free and fair conversation where all people are treated equally and all ideas are respected. You know, a place where you can debate without getting canceled. Democrats don't want this because the more their policies are explored and analyzed, the less popular they become. Oh, and they won't be able to crush Republican October surprises anymore to win elections. So we'll have to wait and see if Elon can truly the biggest get to the bottom of making that platform
2: free and fair again. I think that's a good analogy. Listen, I I wanted to include the beginning portion of that clip where they had like a day in the life of someone that works at Twitter because the, you know, basically when you have gone out there,
0: it didn't actually mention any of the work that she does. Yeah. There's
2: meditation
9: room. Nothing. Literally
2: ski (laughs) ski ball. And you know, they have wine on tap.
9: Mm. I was reading tweets from people that know people that have that work at Twitter and that have um, people that have worked at Twitter and they, like some of them were saying that they work maybe like four hours in the week.
2: Yeah. And and all they do is spend that time nuking our accounts and shadow banning conservative voices. That's what, that's what their work entails.
0: God, can you imagine these people like getting, I I mean, I would assume that having Twitter on your resume is probably a pretty strong. Mm
9: -hmm. Yeah. In today's world.
0: But at the same time, maybe having twitter on your resume is actually not a good thing because they know that they're not going to get a productive employee who wants to actually work for a living. Yeah,
2: no, it's it's, it's very very That's much
0: Yeah, so I mean Twitter I mean Twitter yeah. must have been getting just massive subsidies from the government for all the bullshit that they were doing in order to afford to do this. Like Twitter stock was 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 pretty pretty high for a long time there, right? Close to 80. Yeah, so obviously it was more just a mechanism than an actual entity at that point. So hopefully they can get Elon Musk in there to turn that around and actually make it like a legitimate platform.
2: Yeah, I think that's the basis of it. Like I said, he doesn't like to put his names on pieces of crap, but who does? Uh, well, obviously the people that work there because they don't care about their actual job. They just care about the status uh, symbol that comes with it. Darren Beatty, who we always love hearing his commentary, uh, jumped on the larger apparatus yesterday with Papa Steve, and uh, they wanted to talk about this on... of the war room shows let's hear a clip from them
10: you at revolver have proven i think more than anybody else that twitter is essentially an intelligence apparatus operation from all over the world but particularly us we that's a fact it's not a business we also know that's a fact from his text messages they were going to use in court of all his buddies, all these, all the uh, mandarins in the, uh, in, in big tech giving him ideas about how to actually make money on this thing. So with that, as a, is he going to blow out 75% of the people? Is he going to get rid of the intelligence apparatus? Tell me on this public square, that's an intelligence apparatus. What will happen, sir? Uh,
12: Such a fantastic question. I said, you know, I encourage him not to fire 70% based on what I've, heard in conversations I've had, he should really be going up to 80, 85%. (laughs) And I hope he really follows through with that and takes the advice of Machiavelli, which is you deliver severity in one fell swoop, do it all at once and get it over with. And that's what he needs to do. And I do think he intends to do that. As to the speech issue and the intelligence operations, that's a much more thorny issue. There's just as a template that shows you exactly the type of operations going on in Twitter. Um, There's an organization called the Integrity Initiative. I'm going to need your help in the coming weeks to make this term a common household concept. Integrity Initiative. Revolver.News has done an extensive expose on just the tip of the iceberg of their operations. This is really probably the greatest national security leak since Snowden, which gets into the architecture of how these clusters of operatives function on Twitter in order to influence and manipulate the political process in the United States. Elon needs to understand this to understand what he's up against and ultimately to come to some type of understanding with these intelligence organizations as to exactly how far and in what manner he's (laughs) able to implement free speed.
2: That's Those are some excellent points there. We all know what
0: what was Steve getting ready. He was getting the motorboat running. up,
2: up, Oh, you know, he wants to cut them off and unpack it, but but I mean, you know, you you talk about these pseudo intelligence agencies and our actual intelligence agencies that use proxies and 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 accounts to kind of push the narrative and, and shape it the way that they want. We all saw, you know, Nina Jankovic uh, rolled uh, almost a decade of uh, false information, shit posting and canceling people online into almost a federally paid position at the head of an agency within the Department of Homeland Security this that was year.
0: Just a laughable idea. I'm yeah, glad, I'm glad that never. I mean, they're still doing it. They're just doing it quietly now
2: but but these are the things that he's up against going in there and uh he's gonna have to do a little bit of, of weeding to say the least uh, so you know it's it, it's very um murky waters that he's going into just getting those accounts back online and lifting the shadow bans that's a lot more easier than working up against you know facets of the department of homeland security the fbi cia um and military intelligence uh you know proxy posters uh to say the least Darren Beatty would continue this conversation and roll it into, well, the mothership of the mothership, Tucker show last night. And uh, let's hear them weigh in on this real quick because uh, I thought it was a pretty good back and forth.
8: So why was it so important to every power center in the United States to prevent Elon Musk from taking over Twitter? Lots of billionaires own media organizations. In fact, most media organizations are owned by billionaires. Why was Elon Musk, who's not some kind of right-winger, so threatening because he promised to bring free speech back to social media, and that's the one thing they can't tolerate, period, because their entire rule is predicated on censorship. Bloomberg recently reported that U.S. officials, Biden officials, are considering investigating Elon Musk on national security grounds. But apparently, Musk was not intimidated. Today, he walked into Twitter headquarters in San Francisco carrying a sink. He shot a video with the caption, entering Twitter HQ, let that sink in. Apparently by tomorrow night, Elon Musk will own Twitter. This is a big story, bigger than we can even fully understand probably at this moment. Darren Beatty of Revolver News has been thinking and writing about this for months now. He joins us tonight to give some perspective on it. Darren, thanks so much for coming on. So why, why is this a bigger story than your average billionaire buying your average media outlet?
12: Well, Elon Musk has the potential to be a great man of history, and he has stepped outside of his designated role as glorified IT support for the regime. And he stepped into a very dangerous, high-stakes arena for a cause of civilizational importance. That's a good analogy. The question of whether we have free speech on what he calls a global public square is indeed of civilizational importance, and it's an existential threat to the crooks that control our regime, and in fact it's such a threat that I predict if he goes through with this and does implement free speech on Twitter, Elon Musk and Twitter will be designated in effect the number one national security threat to the crooks in control of our regime. So Twitter is more than just a venue for people to spout off about
8: politics. Twitter is used by foreign governments, by our own government. Yes. In the information wars. Is that correct?
12: Absolutely. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about bots. And bots aren't just automated uh, things promoting the latest cryptocurrency scam or even bots of foreign intelligence agencies. The truth is... Our intelligence agencies, operating usually through cutouts and NGOs, have played a huge role in influencing politics on every level precisely by gaming the system and social media platforms like Twitter. And Elon Musk, I think, really needs someone who understands the architecture of that censorship. There's an example, probably the greatest national security leak since Snowden, of how the censorship regime works. We talk about it on a recent piece at Revolver News that's available now. It's called the Integrity Initiative. But the social media apps are replete with these types of operations. In fact, one woman who attacked Elon Musk for threatening to restore free speech on Twitter was involved in an app in an operation setting up fake Russian accounts yep. so she could blame an American politician for enjoying support by the Russians. And so you really need to understand how deep this goes and how dark this is. Bringing transparency to Twitter, how it works, what exactly is the algorithm
8: will change everything. I, I agree with you. I think this is civilizational. And I appreciate that perspective. Darren Beatty, thank you.
2: So there it is. I mean, that's a little bit more of a deep dive into the layers that, you know, Elon Musk is going to be peeling back, possibly revealing or at the very minimum, we hope that he's taking care of. What do you guys think?
9: I mean, I honestly, I'm pretty positive about what's to come with Twitter. I don't think Elon would have gone this far and made that kind of deal unless he was about to do some really major overhauling.
2: I want to know. If where our 11 accounts went? Yeah, <laughs> no, I
9: know. I was just, I was thinking yesterday, I was like, are we going to get our accounts back? <laughs>
0: I don't even want them back anymore. Well, maybe like the first one, the, the OG. No, it'd be
9: interesting. You know,
2: I miss steak for breakfast.
0: Yeah. I, I want to know, did he go buy that sink?
9: I lost so fucking hard when he walked in. With
2: or his, did he just pull it out of like just a random pile of trash out on the street? Because I can only assume
9: no, San Francisco's. No, he bought that thing. Of well, course he did. Do you
2: think, what, do you think he what do you think they would have done if he would have went to one of the executives he going to fire and he'd be like, you can completely keep your job and continue to operate in the context you have since you started working here. You just need to carry it around every day. I don't, I don't care how you do it. You could chain it to your leg. You could carry it around. Every, <laughs> every time you leave your desk, you walk around with the sink.
9: Do some actual work, bitch. <laughs> yeah, Can you
2: imagine? Yes.
9: Oh, I would laugh so hard. He
2: is that guy.
0: Yeah. He's so hilarious. I wonder where the sink is now because I mean, if you somebody could probably auction that off on eBay if, if there's any. Uh,
9: probably has it. A right Twitter there. employee
0: probably Got stole in his it.
9: Office yeah. in the
0: window. <laughs> it's probably in like a glass box now. And, and listen, guys,
2: <laughs> we we already going to
0: shoot it into space with.
9: A- <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
2: We uh, have heard already from the 45th president of the United States today saying that he's thankful that Twitter is in, I'm quoting sane hands. uh, But he touts the um, success of true social as they have launched across all app stores and uh, you know, are still number one in in most of them as well. So we'll see what happens with that whole dynamic. But I think like peeling back the layers on this, this is not just like fanboy easy to make memes because we've been doing that for the last six months since this whole narrative started. The fact of the matter is is there are a lot more deeper, darker. The words of Darren Beatty should resonate with you every time we play him on this show. He is rarely off the mark. Uh, I can't wait to see him get to the bottom of the January 6th pipe bomber because he's about to blow the lid off that mm. whole thing. He's getting into this, you know, uh, counterintelligence operations that, you know, a lot of our federal, uh, you know, government um, agencies have been running on Twitter for decades now. I thought you were, and- were going to say it. What? Listen. Do you think? Do you think they have an apparatus quota on War Room? Because okay, they go and drop it like literally five times in ten seconds. Then he goes on Tucker Carlson and he does a longer piece, doesn't even mention it.
0: I think maybe he forgets about it and then.
2: <laughs> Fair enough, but uh, listen. Like I said, this show is uh, rolling and rolling strong today. We ha- we had guests announced, but we're about to jump in right now. We've got an update on the road with big campaign update from the great state battleground state of nevada one of our great friends the one and only mr cash patel thanks for joining us on this friday edition of steak for breakfast
13: hey it's awesome to be with you guys live from nevada so so listen i
2: heard you giving hot takes on television this morning i said you know what we need one for our show so boom here you are (laughs) I, i really appreciate it man listen a lot of our listenership doesn't understand. We talk almost every day. We've become pretty good friends outside of the podcast world. And I, I can surely attest that aside from these candidates, you are one of the hardest working and most traveled men in all of MAGA right now.
13: <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's honestly, we are, uh, we have become fast and good friends. and You guys are crushing it for the America first movement, because it doesn't matter how much we travel unless people listen to great shows like yours and get the actual message. So, Yeah, I think I did three cross-country trips in the last eight days uh, with a couple more coming up. And you know what? It doesn't matter. You got to go all in because on November 9th when we wake up and we win both houses, we can say we did everything we absolutely could and we will not lose this battle. No,
2: I'm telling you, that's it right there. I, I, like I said, you, you've been absolutely crushing it. We do want to get some specifics on, on your most recent endeavor. You did the Adam Lexalt bus tour in Nevada with some of the great friends in MAGA World. How was that whole experience? We saw huge crowds wherever you guys went. We saw both Joe Lombardo and Adam Lexalt surging in the polls right now, looking great there. But uh, what's it like on the actual ground in the in Nevada right now?
13: It's absolutely wild. The engagement and the people coming out. We did the Southern Nevada bus tour first. So we were in Caliente, Mesquite on the Utah border. We were in uh, Wapa Valley, and then we ended up in Boulder City. And the crowds are just awesome, engaged, and they are riled up. So my message to them on the Adam Laxalt bus tour, which continues into northern Nevada next week, is go find 20 people that you don't know and tell them uh, about what's going on in this country and drive them to the polls on Election Day. That's it. And then go tell those people to find 20 more. And that's the message because we already know what's at stake. And we don't have to tell the electorate how bad the economy is or bad our border is, how bad the military uh, roles are right now, and how much of a laughing we are. Everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. What we have to provide them is a the solution. Candidates like Adam Laxaw, Kerry Lake, Blake Masters, Abe Hamada, Seagal Shada, you know, Lombardo out here in my home state of Nevada, all these people. And then, you know, then we go east to Ohio and J.D. and Oz in Pennsylvania, Herschel in Georgia, who keeps swatting away fake news attacks after fake news attacks. What the American people care about are not the personal attacks, but how is my life going to improve and there's only one way this time. It's voting Republican up and down the ticket.
2: No, that's the thing. And you know, you've worked so hard and long on the on the Adam Lexall campaign. We don't we talk about him a lot on Steak for Breakfast, but I think a lot of the, you know, conservative Inc., the pundits miss it. Adam's probably the most polished, ready for Senate you know, actually prepare, (laughs) prepare for duty candidate in the country. We all like to get caught up in like the rock star mentalities of like a Carrie Lake, like the, you know, Mm -hmm. what Herschel Walker brings to the table. He's such a lovable candidate. People like Doug Mastriano, you already mentioned JD Vance, Blake Masters, rising star in, Mm -hmm. in in MAGA politics. But Adam brings like a very big track record, a huge resume to the table. And I think he's the most uh, ready to go on day one candidate running in the entire cycle, to be honest with you, that's not an incumbent. What can you say about how hard he's worked during this? campaign and what he's ready to do once he gets to washington dc
13: yeah i think he's sort of exemplified what candidates need to do to make sure we win adam has gone literally he's going to every single county in the state of nevada in the last 10 day stretch on a bus not on a plane not being uh you know driven around with fancy people just load up the bus and get the messages out with guys like myself rick grinnell matt whitaker and today, actually, in a couple of hours, we're doing a live event with Tulsi Gabbard. Awesome. And, you know, why is that important? People don't know this. Not just because of America First, because mm. Vegas has the highest Hawaiian population outside of the island. Mm. That's a huge part of the electorate we can't ignore. And what's wrong with bringing in Tulsi Gabbard, who shares a lot of our national security and law enforcement values, to bring the community together um, and galvanize not just the America first movement, but people who usually didn't sit in the same rooms together. That's what we're about. And I think it's going to be a great event endorsing Adam Laxwell tonight.
2: No, that's great. And if you could just give us a quick comment on like her walkaway moment from, from the Democrat party, we we've, we've kind of, used kid gloves in treating it, you know, but you're someone who yeah. worked with the president on an everyday basis. You were one of those guys who were extremely protective uh, of, of President Trump's message and, and what he was really delivering to the America people. When you see someone like her, such a huge personality, walk away and kind of dip into MAGA politics to the point to where she's out campaigning and endorsing a lot of President Trump's endorsement, how does that resonate with you as someone who's been kind of a day one to, uh, you know, let somebody this new uh, into it just join, join the movement like... It? We're down to the wire here, just eleven days before election day.
13: No, look, I was just with President Trump two days ago at Mar-a-Lago. You know, mapping out the uh, the road here, and of course he's leading the charge. But when we talk about people like Tulsi Gabbard who are coming over, she's emblematic of all the people behind her who have already come over, but may not have the you know the the strength to be like, oh man, I don't know if I want to go public with this. But when you have her go out and lead. So many others, I think, will say, hey, I believe in exactly what you guys have been talking about when it comes to national security, law enforcement, border security, the economy, and global diplomacy and not starting another world war. These issues are things that resonate so many with the middle of the road Americans. Yeah. And I think folks like Tulsi Gabbard help galvanize this community and bring them out. And I think that's why you're seeing her you know, go, literally go coast to coast endorsing MAGA candidates. I mean, think about that. A former Democrat who ran for president of the United States as a Democrat and was a member of the House as a Democrat is literally shunning her party because she's able to speak the truth, that her party has failed the American people. And the only thing they've done is politicize our judicial process, create a two-tier system of justice, and there has been no accountability for the criminals in government who are corrupting the United States of America. So people see it. They feel it. And they're like, okay. If she's in, then maybe we'll be in, too, publicly.
2: No, I like it, and uh, that's kind of the way I feel with her as well. I mean, I see who she's working with, who she's endorsing, and who she's on the road with. But when it gets to the point that she's with you guys, but she's with Rick, you know, she's she's hanging out with you. I, I said, you, you want to know what this has to be real, and, and I'm sure you guys have done enough vetting to feel comfortable with her coming into it. Yeah. Welcome aboard. I mean, uh, that's kind of where we have to be at with, with this. And yeah. like, like you said, how she identifies with a lot of middle of the rotors is like another X factor that we didn't consider maybe just a month or two ago before she decided to have her walk away moment. Cash, last thing I wanted to ask, like, what's your next 11 days look like? <laughs>
13: <laughs> I'm just, I don't want to, I don't want to know. I basically go to the airport and Erica tells me where to go. And then I go back to the airport and go somewhere else. No, we've got some great, cross-country events plan. I'm going to be back out in Nevada and Arizona for all the candidates we talked about. I'll be down in Florida again in Palm Beach. I was just at an event there last night for the Republican uh, caucus of West Palm Beach. And uh, look, it's, it's wherever we can make a difference. Whatever shows we can do, whatever radio we can do, whatever TV. You know, President Trump just announced, what, three rallies next week, Iowa, Florida, and I'm forgetting the third one. Pennsylvania. So I'll pro- Pennsylvania, so I'll probably be there. And then we've got the Reawakened Tour with Clay Clark, General Flynn, myself, and Eric Trump in Branson, Missouri next Friday. And if people don't know what that is, they need to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get the details on Truth Social or wherever. But the Reawakened Tour, we're putting together 5,000 Americans like we do in cities across America, and we're saying, hey, the midterms are a couple days away. Let's get after it.
2: Sounds like an amazing whirlwind tour to conclude this election cycle, sir. Will we be, uh, well, we're going to have Erica join us via, via remote location. She's going to be calling in from, I think, Arizona uh, on election night. you going to give us a little ring for our election night special for a quick update wherever you're at?
13: Heck yeah, man. Put me on top of that list. I don't care if I'm up in the air. I'm making that phone call and just nice. to ensure that we're going coast to coast with the steak boys. Uh, I love being with you guys. and Your show has just skyrocketed up the charts, and people love, love, love the production. I hear it everywhere I go.
2: Well, now it's almost guaranteed that you'll be on our show and Steve Van's <laughs> world <laughs> be <running> up against <laughs> at the same time. Cash. I really appreciate you. You know, there's very few people in this political theater that I can call and say, man, I need you to get a hot take. And you say, absolutely. What's the number? I appreciate it. Where can everybody find you across social media? We know it's only one place and one place is where it's at, but you want to let our listenership hear it.
13: Yeah. Thanks. At cash at K A S H on truth social. That is it. And if you want to help destroy the Democrats and Swalwell and Watermelon Heads, and go to plotagainsttheking.com, plotagainsttheking.com, and get your copies for the holiday season of the two best-selling children's books in the country: Plot Against the King, Russia Gate for young adults and kids, and then Plot Against the King, Two Thousand Mules in collaboration with Dinesh D'Souza, where we talk about election integrity. And yes, there's a video launching Adam Schiff's Watermelon Head into a moat. And yes, there is a country music song by John Rich from big and rich called the plot against the king. So go to plot against the and help us. As Donald Trump said, when he launched the book, put these books in every school library and home in America.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, we can't wait. You know, they're a little bit, big for a stocking stuffer but those books will look absolutely magnificent but they roll they, they
0: roll nicely they roll nicely so. yeah need a bigger stocking
2: yeah well there you go <laughs> This is the former chief of staff to the department of defense special assistant and uh all things maga to uh the 45th president of the united states donald trump mr cash patel thanks for coming in with us today on stay for breakfast
13: thanks guys have a great day you See too soon.
2: All right, joining us next on the show today, he is, uh, well, I guess you can consider him one of MAGA's most interesting operatives. He's also a great friend of the show, and we're looking very forward to sitting down and having a great conversation, as always, with the Mr. Vish Burra. Thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast.
3: My favorite, one of my favorite, favorite podcasts, Safe for Breakfast. Thanks for having me back, guys. You know, I always
2: enjoy sitting down with y'all and nice. chopping them up. It's a good save there. We all know Papa Steve is always listening, so you got to say one of your favorite podcasts. But we'll take <laughs> Pop, it.
3: Well, Papa and Steve and, 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 my, and, and my buddy Matt. Who, I was down in uh, Pensacola for his wedding a couple weeks ago. It was absolutely wonderful. I'm so happy for him and Matt and Ginger. So I wanna give a shout out to him too. Right.
2: It's really good to hear. Vish you you've always got a great slate of things to talk about when you come on Steak for Breakfast. Our listenership really enjoys the diversity you bring to the conversation. I think right now heading down the stretch here on the midterms, we're talking about the you know the amount of conquering we've done uh, politically and culturally in this election cycle uh, to counter the left's narratives. Listen, if you listen to anybody that's talking right now in any of these debates or people that refuse to debate and they're on the campaign trail, they're saying that MAGA Republicans or just all Republicans in general are election denying racists who want to end abortion and do all things as such. We have just come out with receipts after receipts, how this country has tanked over the course of the last two years and why. It oh, that-
0: you forgot domestic violent extremists. Oh,
2: those two. Yeah. And, uh, you know, well, Paul Pelosi got beat up today, so apparently, uh, you know, that was <laughs> maybe he just punched himself into oblivion. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that there has been a huge culture shift. We, we sat down w- with uh, senatorial candidate Leora Levy right now in uh, Connecticut today. You know, she's a... Uh, moved within the margin of error in a state that's never within the, uh, mar- you know, up for debate or even within the realms of possibility in a normal election cycle, there's places like Oregon, States like California uh, that we just don't see. But when we're talking about this culture shift, changing the narrative to what reality actually is and everyone believing it, what are you seeing that was like the big push here?
3: You know, let's start, let's start off talking about the marquee matchups. The last time I was on your show, uh, I, I had not very nice things to say about Dr. Oz. I had not very nice things to say about, uh, how, uh, the campaigns were being run and the strategy of the GOP overall, uh, in terms of how the house races were being run and sort of the backpedaling and the, the sort of waffling we did on Dobbs decision and, and the abortion issue. Right. I came on and dunked on all these people. I think a couple of months ago and all these strategies. And now, fast forward, look here today, you know, I have to say my foot's kind of in my mouth in my mouth at this point, but I will say if maybe we didn't light a fire under these people's asses back then, they wouldn't be moving so good now. Yeah. So well, let's uh, let us not forget that always it's always about keeping up the pressure. Now to sit and, to actually look at these races, look, the Repu- Republicans have done a really good job of just pounding the issues that matter. As you, as you just said, I mean, you know, these people are going out campaign. Oh, these people are election deniers. There's these people are, you know, um, going to end abortion, blah, 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 insurrectionists. None of the, it actually turns out a lot. Most of these issues do not matter to, <laughs> to normal everyday Americans, right? It's the crime. It's the schools. That's where, you know, that's really where the energy is. And that's where people, are really feeling it, and and I think a lot of these folks are coming back home. And so you know that I, I think that that as everyone actually starts to realize, and you know as we come down to ho- the home stretch, the economy is in the tank. Yeah. Everyone's talking, you know, everyone's getting poorer by the day. That's something you can feel. And as you know, time is not Joe Biden's friend at this point because the more we continue to free fall, it's not just this is not managed decline. It's 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 free fall. Right. And so we, as people feel this every day, they're starting to realize we need to change and we need to change quick and we'll take whatever different options are available at this point. I think you're going to get a similar situation where, you know, when you remember there was that race in in New Jersey last year where the state Senate president, I think got deposed by some trucker. Yeah. Right. And, and, and if you heard the stories on the ground at that, that day, there were people that were walking in just, but they didn't even know who the Republicans were. They just voted R down the line and walked out. Mm -hmm. Right. They didn't even know who the guys were. They just knew they needed something different. And the fact that we've opened up uh, battlegrounds now in states, deep blue states like New York, where, you know, which is my home, California, where, you know, you guys might be out, out by like, oh, out there, you know, Oregon, like this is, you know, there's something really to talk about here.
2: Yeah, when you see a Senate race in California within six points – uh, it's just kind of mind blowing. In addition to that, it looks like we're going to pick up quite a few house seats in California as well. And you mentioned New York; that's one of the ones we've been focusing on a lot. You want to talk about how how strongly Lee Zeldin has come on here? I mean, they had that debate the other day, and he basically not only nailed Kathy Hochul on all of the issues, he even baited her to like go on to some rant where you know talking about the COVID restrictions and everybody that got fired and all the kids' educations that were ruined. She said she had if she had the opportunity to do it, she'd gladly do it again, and, and gets to put that soundbite on display for you know the entire world to hear how how can you say in a place like New York uh that six months ago I would have said okay that's just a little bit of wishful thinking like I like Lee Zeldin he's kind of a firebrand he's been pretty reliable to MAGA but he's really run that campaign the way it needed to be ran and he's looking to hit the home stretch here he might just be the governor of New York come November 9th
3: well first of all I want to say looking back at the debates this week uh, with cat, you know, with um, uh, uh, Oz and Fetterman sure. and Keldin and Hochul, I just want to say the Democrats are unhinged. All right, Hochul came on talking about I don't know why you're so concerned with locking up violent criminals. Yep. Then she goes on and says I would fire all those unvaccinated people all over again, even though the Supreme Court said that's literally unconstitutional. The New York State Supreme Court yep. and, she, and yep. ordered back pay. Uh, and that these people be be hired again. I mean, and you know that these people' have, lives were destroyed. You know, during this process, these people have finally won. But in in the meantime, their leader—if they just look at that debate—this person is your current governor, and she's running to be your to continue being your governor, and she's saying she would fire you all over again after that decision was dropped. These people are unhinged. And on the Fetterman side, can you just first of all, I just want to say that. I feel totally bad for the guy and it's absolutely disgusting that the people around him, his staff, his family members, put him up there in such a position. You know, I, I think I, I came on and I was talking about how Fetterman it, well, it was actually, you know, a threat because he kind of represented what a strong populist left in my eyes could look like
2: yes. in a Senate,
3: right? And to go and, and parade him out there in this situation where he – I mean, his mind is, is mush and It's so sad. I don't like, I would ask that anybody in this audience, you guys, if I'm in such a state like that, don't ever fucking wheel me out into <laughs> in front of a crowd, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? To And look like that. You know, I'd rather, I, you know, the the, 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 there's nobody around John Fetterman that cares about him. And, and these people are an un, unhinged in their pursuit of power. And so I think one thing I want to point to though, when in terms of why are these these really deep blue states like New York, Oregon, California, why is it that all of a sudden these places are, all, are, are in play too? And I just wanna, I want you guys to think for a second, you know, the, the timeline, the simple timeline that every American goes through around this time of year. What is different in July and June, July and August that is no longer true in September, October, and as the months go on. School's back in session. True and these
0: people,
3: these people, right, there are parents now taking their kids back to school or trying to, and guess what? You know, kids might still have to keep their masks on. Maybe there's still no in-person learning, right? You, uh, maybe the, the teachers are still keeping the school shut down in a lot of these places where the teachers' unions are super strong. And, and you're seeing that, now these parents are dealing with, and then to top it all off, the CDC mandating that all school kids should be immunized, Oof. right? As a requirement to attend public schools. All of a sudden, parents are remember, like, you know, I actually did a, a special for Vice the other day at their HQ, and that'll be out soon, Ooh. I'm sure. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I was part of a panel. But... To, and this is after the mandates are lifted in New York city for, you know, having the vaccine or whatever they in order to be on premises to, in order for me to do that, uh, I had they asked for proof of vaccination and I had to fill out a release, uh, uh, an exemption for that. And, uh, in order to go do that special COVID never ended in some of these places in New York city, yep. especially the schools. And guess what? Yo, know, the parents, the grownups, they'll eat it and be like, OK, whatever, you know, if I have to live my life in terror, as terrible as that is, if I have to live my life in terror, you know, I can eat it. I can I can handle it. But when they have to send their kids right to school where COVID is still existing and they have to get vaccinated under the force of law and have to wear masks and do all the, or and not even be able to go into school to learn that that's when these parents are like, what is going on? I'm, you know, everyone has seemed to move past COVID except these people and what is going, and that's, you know, those are the simple questions that lead to bigger change. It's the thing that you experience every day and people on the ground in New York, in in, uh, California, in Oregon, are seeing this and probably like, you know what? I think we need to, there needs to be a shift here some way, somehow. And now you're seeing that, you know, the new battlegrounds now are New York and, and uh, uh, California, Oregon. It just shows how much ground that we've conquered from the left politically. And, you know, that, you know, that that's where the, 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 you know, we're, we're able to do it because we have so much cultural involvement and that's kind of the next thing I want to talk about too, with, you know, Elon Musk, uh, taking over Twitter, Big story. we're, we're now taking ground, but again, the battle's not over. There's still 10 days in an election. Anything can change. And so we need to keep our foot on the gas pedal. All right. We, we need, it's, we, <laughs> um, How does the how does the lyric go from Lil Wayne in Forever? (laughs) He said, "Hey, yeah." It's like my foot's sleeping on the gas, no brake pads, no such thing as last. You need to that we need to go balls to the wall, drive. You don't drive to the tackle; you drive through the tackle. And so we need to finish through Election Day with everything we got, leave it out all on the field, and we will be. I think we will be very happy with the results in terms of how much ground we would have conquered from the left politically.
2: Oh, you make some excellent points there. I mean, you want to just talk about the children and the COVID never ending. Then you, you know, you tie that into the ridiculously low test scores coming out of at least a year, maybe two in some instances of, of remote learning. I, I know I use my kids as an example all the time, all-time lowest test scores ever at their school uh, for for reading, writing, and math. And, uh, you know, everybody puts like a little disclaimer, oh, this was, uh, the testing's not being whatever due to, you know, remote learning over the last year and a half. And, you know, I think parents just don't want to see their kids suffer both physically with stuff like the mask and the vaccine mandates and then you know w- when you're talking about their education like there's there's very little time to be able to write this ship in regards to the children and uh you're you're going to lose an entire generation of learners it's just the way it is kids i see it all the time getting discouraged i mean i have my kids right now they're going to after school uh, extracurricular help three days a week. They don't really need it, but what, me and my wife want to reinstitute that. You know, learning beat it back into their heads. The stuff that they just didn't get during remote learning. It was press a button until you get the question right, and, and that was pretty much it. And and then in places like New York, especially, I think uh, all the stuff to do with the kids. And then you talk about just the crime and how many people are leaving the city. You know, businesses shutting down and just the quality of life has gone down so much over the last decade. There, I think people see an opportunity for change. Uh, I just saw, come across the wire, Ron DeSantis is heading up to New York. They're about to start early voting in New York City. Ron DeSantis will be joining Lee Zeldin on the campaign trail for a couple events. and uh, It looks like, yeah, you want to talk about finishing strong, you can't finish much stronger than that. You did talk about Elon Musk. Uh, It was big yesterday. I mean, he had... You know, the the top executives at Twitter escorted out of the building, which included the lawyer who banned Donald Trump from the platform, I just saw also coming across the wire, Donald Trump has released an official statement saying he wishes Twitter well. He wishes Elon well. He thinks the platform's going to do fine, but he doesn't feel like the platform could be successful without him. Pretty standard for Donald Trump, but uh, we'll take it. Outside looking in, Vish, you, you know how important just having a level platform for a voice uh, on places like social media is important to anyone, but especially conservatives, since we've been beaten down so much uh, over over the past, you know, since Donald Trump decided to run for office back in 2015. What do you see is, as uh, what Elon Musk is going to do with Twitter, and, and and what do you think that uh, this platform's going to do moving forward as far as like leveling the playing field for all of us to get in there?
3: Well, look, I think right now what we're seeing is a sea change in the term, in, in the terms of the, the terms of battle itself. Right. And so now that, that Elon Musk, now I think maybe the last time I was on your show, I might, I might've said, you know, Elon, we're, you know, we're, we're hoping that the guy buys Twitter and that, that, that means some change. And, you know, I was skeptical about that but it's only been a day and you're already seeing that, that it's not that, we don't know if actually any change has actually happened. We don't know if anybody's actually been, you know, unshadow banned or they changed the algorithm or anything like that, right? But you already see accounts uh, on on Twitter saying, you know, right-wing accounts or conservative accounts saying, I'm seeing more likes, I'm getting more engagement. And you're already seeing Democrats and leftists and Marxist accounts saying, I'm seeing my engagement throttled and I'm seeing more right wingers on my timeline. Maybe nothing has changed, but everybody has bought into the hype. And that is the biggest, biggest uh, thing here. And we need to keep pushing. That is how you conquer culturally. You suck the air out of the room and people, everybody's now thinking about you, whether you're actually doing anything or not. And it's only been a day. I posit that probably literally nothing or not much has changed, right? The only, the only thing, but what has changed what we can see is Elon Musk has already come out and said, I'm, I'm unsuspending or, or or I'm unbanning, you know, accounts that have been banned. That's already a market difference. Mm -hmm. And so, Now, you know, but there's something to also dig down to here, right? We, you know, if this is just an equal platform that doesn't really show favor to the left or the right in any way, it's already a huge, huge improvement. And because the truth is on our side, we'll win in, in a situation like that. Right. What really we need to look at is the fact that Elon Musk, one of the most talented, one of the most brilliant people on earth, with, without the politics, is now in tra- is now in charge of one of the most influential, powerful platforms on earth that drives discourse. Right, and that and and he's and he's going to make it now better. That's that's what guys like him want to do. He wants to make it better. And the the fact that we have a platform, maybe not necessarily on our side, but, you know, allowing us to grow organically, right? This then has, puts out a call to action to us. Okay. This is, there's there's a, a bunch of signals here that we need to start reading. First of all, what we need to start, stop thinking is in the way of you know, uh, are, you know, is this a conservative ballet? Is this a conservative, you know, social media platform? Is this a conservative movie? Stop thinking in those terms. What you should be thinking about is, can you make a good movie? Can you make a good social media platform? Can you, you know, write up a good ballet or play, right? It just has to be good. If the person who does it is conservative, that is the, that's how you conquer the culture, right? Is you actually have to provide good products and, you know, hopefully I can bring um, you know, I'll have better news the next time. Um, when I'm on your show, we might have some big news that can all that will ultimately contribute to this, but we need to start participating more in the culture. The battle is not, the war is not over. We may have won this battle, but the war is not over. The cultural wars never end. It's, a, it's not a war. It's a struggle. Struggle meaning it, it never ends. And so we need more players in the cultural side. We need more people who are good at their craft, who, ha- who hold our beliefs, participating in the cultural space and creating nodes in the cultural space that suck all the air out of the room and make people focus on you and the conversation that you're having. And so that we all need to take m- more part in that. And we will have conquered the left culturally and we would have conquered the left politically. And that's how we take back this country and save this country where we have to on all levels, in all zones, we have to push hard, conquer hard, take up the space. If you, you're a, you're a person who makes movies, I'm a conservative. I'm going to make better movies than you. Right. Forget that it's a conservative movie. I'm just going to make a better movie. How about that? right? That's the mentality we need to have. I'm gonna have I'm gonna pursue better policies than you, right? I'm gonna have a better message than you. I'm gonna have a better campaign staff than you. I'm gonna have a better comms team than you. This is like we need to that we need to think on those terms, right? And so that's and, and if we do that, we will have conquered so much territory that the Democrats would be blown to bits. You know, for fifty years, and they'll need to actually come back with real issues in order to reconstitute a serious um, you know opposition to our our inevitable major mega majority.
2: Vish, you make some fantastic points there. kind of ties the whole narrative of what we've been talking about together. You know, just having the neutrality is like a blank palette for us to create content and just organically grow without shadow banning, without repression. You know, the lefts and their narrative can exist, but as long as we're allowed to coexist in the same space and it's what we do with it, you talk about the urgency, you talk about the actual content and not just being there. Uh, you know, being a personality, being someone that's famous, having a strong voice is okay, but it's how you use it that's going to help shape this narrative. I do think if the Republicans did do one thing across the board decently, above averagely, this election cycle, it was take that narrative. Look at what they're doing to your children. Look at what they're doing to the border. Look at the crime across the country. Look at your 401k. Look at the economy. Look at gas prices. This is all self induced Democrat policies. We don't need to go into like personal. T- all that stuff is out there. You could look at a funny looking Democrat candidate. You can look. Look at like a real disability like John Fetterman has, and we could make memes about it all day. But if we don't go down to, you know, Dr. Oz resonated in that that debate the best when he attacked his voting record, legalizing all scheduled drugs, talking about releasing 5,000 convicted felons, some of murder on the state of Pennsylvania, and, and his his receipts on fracking. I think those were the three biggest points he hit home, and I think that resonates with a lot of voters. It's the same thing that you're seeing Don Boldock in New Hampshire, Leora Levy in Connecticut, a lot of candidates out in California, Lee Zeldin, we already talked about him in New York, and then this whole thing with Elon Musk, I think, you know, all he needs to do is just write the ship. He announced today formally that he has found what is going on with all the shadow bands, and he's supposedly lifting them all, uh, or or starting to lift the restrictions on it. We'll see where that goes. But but having that that blank space for us to just kind of organically grow, and I do think that is one of the things that uh you know you hit on home that's really going to resonate with our listenership and has resonated with the conservative base and has grown it to include now walkaway Dems, independents, and moderates where we might not have had it. Uh, even just six months ago. Vish, what are you going to be doing now for the next couple weeks? Uh, And and where can our listenership find you across social media? We're going to live link you in the show description We're going to get anybody that's not already not following you to jump on your bandwagon right now.
3: Yeah, man. Uh, Now that Twitter is actually something worth pushing, uh, find me at at Vish on Twitter, at Vish on Getter, uh, at Vish on Truth Social. Um, and yeah, look, we, this is a, a pivotal moment over the next uh, couple, couple weeks. I'll be, you know, I'll be on the campaign trail or somewhere helping somebody win. Uh, and in the meantime, I'll also be looking to, um, hopefully have some, some new breaking news the next time I'm on your show, uh, to talk about a, a new project that I'm working on. And I think you and your listenership will be mega excited for that.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to sitting down and letting our listeners know everything that's going on with you. As we always do, this is MAGA's most interesting man, one of our great friends, the one and only Vish Burr. Thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you, boys, for having me. Our pleasure.
11: First and foremost, I think it's important to talk about Line 5 because we know that there's a lawsuit out right now that Gretchen Whitmer would like to shut down Line 5 in the state of Michigan. That would be catastrophic and raise our energy costs in a time when exactly what you're saying, We have people that are having trouble heating their homes. And we know that Line 5 provides 65% of the propane in the Upper Peninsula, 55% in the Lower Peninsula, and the jet fuel for the Detroit airport. It's very crucial that we do everything we can to lower costs. Another way to lower energy would have been to pass a gas tax holiday, so that people don't have to pay as much on their gas bill when they fill up their car. We need to make sure we do everything possible in the state of Michigan to lower the cost of energy
2: for our people. That was Tudor Dixon. Uh she had round two with Gretchen Whitmer the other day and uh as we enter midterm election roundup well, it was good to sit down with two of our great friends, you know, uh having the ability to, to call Cash Patel and, and ask him if he'd come in and comment on the Adam Lexalt bus tour that he just got off of and then, you know, having Vish Burr come in and, and provide a, a blanket coverage to uh, you know, everything that's going on in the midterms. Believe me. We talked to Vish offline. He's going to be heavily involved down the stretch with some of the most MAGA candidates on where he's going, and he's going to have some big announcements for our listenership about what he's doing moving forward. Uh, next time he's on our show, so we need to uh, we'll we'll stay in contact with both of those guys. Also, great to confirm that we'll have Cash Patel phoning in on election night for our election night special. We're going to be having a bunch of our greatest friends come in. I think Joe Kent, J. R. Majewski, Mike Crispy, who's going to be doing his own show, will be joining us. Eric Knight who's the woman behind a lot of these candidates and uh, some of our biggest influences that we get on the show. And, of course, no election special would be complete without our most favorite female and MAGA, Miss Christina Bob will be joining us. She'll be in the battleground state of Michigan uh, working some election integrity issues, day of, uh, on November 8th as well. So we're going to be bringing in, you know, a lot of great guests and uh, providing content that only you can get on steak for breakfast. Um, getting back to this debate, <clears throat> I think that Tudor Dixon did an amazing job of holding Gretchen Whitmer to task on things that she does. Uh, she did make her admit that a lot of Gretchen Whitmer's campaigns that are running through, uh, you know, the Wolverine state right now are are, are basically saying that she provided this uh, cash break for everybody when, a lot of people knew that that wasn't true. She got her to admit that. Obviously, the the energy issue and how that could hurt jobs there and then the cost of living over the course of winter, which we know get very cold up there in the Great Lakes states. Um, the other thing that has been one of the biggest issues in Michigan, and we've talked about it extensively on this show, is the attempt to sexualize children within the schools. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer is all for that progressive stance that these books, uh, which you know are awful illustrations of of what kids should be doing to each other at the elementary school age uh, are disgusting, but she's for them and uh, has, has basically, you know, sided with the progressives and, and have gone down that road. So Tudor Dixon provided the common sense narrative, uh, you know, to make, getting back to reading, writing, and math, which is where we all need to be. Let's hear that clip from the debate before we uh, talk about it a little bit more.
11: I've risen up across the state. They've asked Gretchen Whitmer to comment and she's been silent on this issue. So I'm anxious to hear what she has to say. If you have material, in your school, that is something that you can't read to a child at a bus stop because you would be arrested because it is pornographic, then it should not be in our classrooms. What these parents are talking about are not textbooks that will help children learn about themselves. These are books that are describing to children how to have sex, and parents are outraged about it across the state. I stand with those parents that want to make sure we go back to the basics of reading, writing, and math.
2: What do you think, Antoinette? I mean, you're a parent with school age children. I am myself as well. I mean, we've been, you know, kind of blowing the lid off this and we've brought in some of the most on the ground reporting uh, you can get. I mean, we're going to be sitting down with uh, the Daily Caller, Sarah Weaver, in just a little bit. And she's blown the lid off a bunch of this stuff as well. But, uh, you know, coming from a parent standpoint, what do you think about, you know, these politicians that are going out there right now on the on the GOP side, really fighting for parental right to get this crap out of the schools?
9: Well, it's about time and I'm really happy, you know, because we need some people in higher places to, to kind of go to bat and help us, you know, at, at, a, at a higher level. Because I know if that was happening to me and if my kids were subjected to that, I pay a lot of money for my children to go to schools that do not do this type of shit. And it's unfortunate that I have to do that because when I was growing up, the public schools I grew up in Michigan were like the, some of the best in the country you know, the districts, and we never had to worry about anything like this. Now, God forbid, you know, um, I know the people in Michigan, many people in Michigan right now are not very happy. A lot of people I grew up with whose kids are going to school there at the moment, they're fighting hardcore against the teachers' unions, and they're not having this bullshit. And I'd be doing the same if I was there, you know, with them. Right now, like I said, you know, I live in Nevada my kids are in private school. I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. But, man, thank God, you know, we have people in leadership positions and potential leadership positions talking about these things because we need that right now more than ever. It's getting really bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was It was interesting to see. You know, we always try to circle back to the totality of the narrative here, and, and it was a really long time ago that Donald Trump was bringing this up as his campaign rallies before a lot of the candidates really decided that this was going to be a top ticket item. And in the States where need be like Michigan uh, it's really resonated. So, you know, it's one of those things where we just can't have this stuff with our kids. It's, it's a not, I, I believe if, if, if things like this eventually get to ballots, they will get, Abolished because, you know, if, if the progressives want to call conservatives book burners for going against the narratives of, like, the sexualization of children as young as elementary school age, then I guess you can just call me a book burner then.
9: I don't care what side you're on. Most people, especially parents, have common sense and have a moral compass and want the best for their children, you know. Um, it's a very small percentage on the, on the left that agree with this bullshit. Because I, I honestly, I know people that are, that are not Republican, that are in the middle, that are, you know, independent, you know, depending on issues, they don't agree with this, this crap at all. Like wh- why the hell are people, well, teachers, for example, teaching our children or why are there any sort of books in this capacity in any school, teaching a child in elementary school or, or younger um, about sex to have sex.
2: Having,
9: yeah. To have sex and teaching them how to go on apps to find
2: people to talk uh, about having sex
9: yeah, with. Yeah. And to have sex, how to have sex with people.
0: I still maintain that a lot of this stuff was just a troll. Like drag queen story hour was somebody put that up as a joke. And then like, a like a Facebook, uh, invite for an event. But then all of a sudden had 148 people confirm that they were going. Yep. And it's just like, oh well, shit! I guess I better dig up a drag queen.
9: Well, I mean, I, I, those one hundred and forty-eight people. I I don't know. Now you know they're different. fucked up in the head. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no,
2: it, it's crazy. Well, speaking of of people that are fucked up in the head, let's take it down to the Empire State, where someone who's ran an amazing campaign to this point, Lee Zeldin, uh, has moved ahead of a radical progressive incumbent Hoshel. Uh, Hoshel. Kathy Hochul, <laughs> and uh, you know they had their one and only debate this week. And Let me tell you. For someone who has just dodged every pitfall at every stage of his campaign that Lee Zeldin has, both literally and figuratively, because someone tried to kill him when he was on the stage. Someone was committing a drive-by on the front lawn of his house when his two small children were at home. And, you know, all of the other, you know, political things that could happen to you over the course of the campaign, he would have to run a a perfect course in the, in this debate to be able to really show the voters in New York, what is going on there in the governor's mansion. And you know what he did? First thing he did was one of the biggest items that was definitely happening during the pandemic. When you talk about, um, Andrew Cuomo, uh, Governor Wolf, obviously, Gavin Newsom and Gretchen Whitmer, the nursing home scandal and her non-investigation into it after she took over for Cuomo uh, and promised to do so. Let's hear Representative Zeldin take her to task on this big issue.
14: On top of that, talking about what happened in nursing homes, where was my opponent with the deadly nursing home order and cover up? Why is it that the numbers are still on the Department of Health website that are outdated? What about the meeting with the COVID Uh, families who lost their loved ones who were promised a long overdue COVID investigation, never got got it. Why did not you speak up with regards to the deadly nursing home order and cover-up? Why aren't you looking into the transparency and accountability that these families of thousands of deceased New York families have? Why did not you stick up for the people who weren't able to see their loved ones in their final hours and being denied? You had time after time after time opportunities to stand up for these families, but you were silent or complicit or out to lunch every time. I don't know what your excuse is. But these families are demanding justice and they will not rest until they get it on day one. I will finish what you refuse to start and end.
2: And it was it was sound bites like that that made it to uh, all across all platforms of of the legacy media because I tell you what Lee Zeldin came to fight and uh, he he knows what's on the line right here in regards to this and uh, it it was just you know body blow after body blow. you know, This nursing home thing is something that we all seem to have forgotten about, but uh, I do feel like in places like Michigan and, and hopefully New York, if we get the Republican nominees as governors there, we're going to see some massive investigation, some mind-blowing data coming out about how thousands of people were killed at the order of these governors. Albeit might have been intentional just to kind of like, you know, skew the numbers or whatever. But the fact of the matter is just the malpractice they used in, in in the execution of of where they sit in their office led to thousands of deaths.
9: And then not to mention the people that they were putting in these nursing homes, mentally ill, psychotic MFers. Do you guys remember back uh, when is that a technical term videos of, of the I'm sorry?
0: No, that was, is that a technical oh.
9: technical term MFers? <laughs> motherfuckers there you go yeah uh, we're uh do you guys remember that one video of that of that guy so this old man was sleeping in bed and he was sharing a room apparently or i'm not sure but he was in his room and this young this younger guy clearly mentally ill and psychotic started beating the shit out of this older man yeah we saw it we
2: saw it a lot during the pandemic in addition to that it was it was the uh The short order help that they were hiring, a lot of the people who were probably out on no cash bail were picking up jobs in these old people facilities and just abusing them uh, on a regular basis, and and it was just disgusting to watch. I think this.
9: Deep and disgusting.
2: Yeah, this will this will be one of the biggest scandals I think uh, at the state level following the midterm elections that we're not really talking about enough, but but we have talked about extensively on this show in the past. Here's one of uh, Lee Zeldin's best sound bites from the whole night. Let's hear it.
14: You ask the will of the people, they want to see reform. Even Mayor Adams says that judges should have discretion away dangerousness. I don't think that if you're two Mexican cartel drug smugglers busted with $1.2 million worth of crystal meth, that you should just be instantly released on cashless bail. And they were. Now Kathy Oakle supports cashless bail. As soon as it got implemented, she was out there bragging about it. She chose the champion of the defund the police movement and the architect of cashless bail, Brian Benjamin. Yeah, that guy who got arrested and had to resign. That was her first big decision to make him the lieutenant governor. We need to repeal Castle's bill. We need to repeal the HALT Act. Amend raise the age and less is more. We need to make our streets safe again. I'm running to take back our streets and to support unapologetically our men and women in law enforcement. This is about all of us together, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, as New Yorkers, to make sure our streets are safe again, to make sure our subways are safe again. This is our opportunity two weeks from tonight. We can continue with the status quo where they believe they haven't passed enough pro-criminal laws, or we could take control of our destiny and make sure law-abiding New Yorkers are in charge of our streets
2: again. And that's, that's the most important thing. Kathy Hochul would interject shortly thereafter. And basically, she asked Lee Zeldin what his obsession was with keeping people in jail, to which the what? entire audience nearly gasped. Wow. And, uh, you know, the moderators quickly interjected and asked her to, you know, wait for her time to talk. But it's just like, oh, we do send him to jail. Like, what's the big deal? Like, why do you care so much? I don't you know, why, I don't so know why
0: you're so worried about this.
2: Yeah, because he almost got murdered and his kids almost got shot in a in a mm-hmm. drive-by shooting over the course of just the last two months. That's why, you know, because Eric Adams' top staffer got his ass beat and pistol whipped at gunpoint uh, Mm -hmm. after he told him he was on the same team as the guys that were robbing him.
9: Right. I'm Uh, on your side. I'm on your side.
2: (laughs) Really? Is there video of this? No, but that was was the reports from the guy who— Who Who, who robbed him? No, (laughs) who— Got pistoled.
0: <laughs> and then this motherfucker said, I'm on your side. And I said, motherfucker, I'm robbing you. I don't give a fuck what side you're on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just been, you it's know. It's like
9: at this point, do people not see now that they're doing this on purpose? It, it doesn't make any sense logically at all whatsoever. So they're going to create as much chaos and unrest as because they know what's coming and their time is very short. People are going to show up. They're just pissing people off more and more on all sides. I mean, they're really they're fucking themselves over in the end.
0: Well, I mean, if you look at it this way from a political standpoint, mm. it's it's laying the groundwork for basically us cleaning up the mess for the next 4 years and well, then yeah, yeah, them being able to yeah. Run on but the fact that, well, you didn't get anything done for the last four years because you were too busy running around with a mop cleaning up blood.
9: Yeah, well, two this, this time around, we've got a freaking army yeah. of people, you know? So.
2: Okay, I do have some breaking news that's just coming across the wire right now. It's not related to midterm election roundup, but I think it's relevant to the, our cold open, which is. The, the guy
0: who shit on Mitch McConnell's desk is coming on live?
2: Close. <laughs> and, and And when I say close, I'm not even joking. It's now been confirmed that top Twitter executive. Raul Ligma has been fired.
9: Hell yeah. Go. on <laughs> Yes. Keep it coming. Keep it coming.
2: It, what? It obviously went over Antoinette's head, but I'm waiting for you to ask me <laughs> now. What do you mean? I said Raul Ligma has been fired. <laughs> what did he what? get fired for?
9: What the fuck is that?
2: That's not the question you're supposed to ask. <laughs> and that wasn't the most absurd. Ligma who?
15: Like my balls. Ah! Oh, scissor me timbers. There
2: you go. You might have wanted to save that for this one. So we all know that New York was one of the longest, second longest only to California in the COVID mandates, the, the mask mandates, the restrictions to enter, you know, certain public places and stuff like that. We also saw that a federal judge this week said that the firing of state workers was deemed unconstitutional for refusing to get the vaccine and they're all being reinstated and getting, uh, you know, Well, time served back in regards to their uh, salaries and stuff like that. But when Lee Zeldin took Kathy Ochoa to task on how much of a tyrant she was with this stuff and wanted her to give a receipt on saying that she did not agree with the COVID vaccine being in the kids' vaccination schedules now, but would not commit to, let's just say, next school year or after she maybe wins the election, here's what she had to say about everybody who was uh, being superstars during the pandemic.
8: been an election
11: denier a climate change denier, you and Donald Trump were the masterful COVID deniers. We are dealing with a real crisis. And the more people get vaccinated, get those shots in arms, and I would do it all over again what I did last year, that mandate for health care workers. So she,
2: she, did she, she would, say vaccinated? Regardless of what she said, she said she would do it all over that. again. Oh, After yeah. a federal yeah. judge has deemed it unconstitutional exactly. and all those people are getting their jobs back, she said she'd fucking do it again. That's insane. So I'm telling you this goes out to the great state of New York and all the people that are going to vote there you can't if ask you for a better out of
9: touch yeah, like I, with yes. reality because people even on her side don't agree with her on that it's just ridiculous I, she must be talking to her overlords in this respect I don't know
0: well it's they're bizarre. they're just they're not allowed to get away from the script like some of them they're 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 so uh, invested in in this whether they're getting kickbacks from Big Pharma. Or they're getting, uh, you know, promised positions in in,
2: in the uh, last two years, of the Biden administration. Yeah,
9: yeah, true.
2: So, no, it, it, it's sad and scary. But I was good, like I said, Lee Zeldin had to run the perfect course for the for that debate, and and by all means necessary, he certainly did. He has surged in the polls. The latest are showing he's between a one and two point favorite now to win the governorship there, and and we could finally get that state under control. I think between him and people like Doug Mastriano who we had at the top of our show today, you know, obviously people like Carrie Lake and then Tudor Dixon, we're we're going to be sitting very good. I mean, listen, the state of California right now was within 6 points. So, uh, you know, I I don't see Gov- Governor Newsom losing his his governorship here even though he's going to vacate it shortly thereafter to run for president, but the Republican candidate has come on strong and and you know, has really taken him to task on on a lot of the things he's done to tank this state the granite state um in the senatorial candidate had a debate this week uh sitting incumbent progressive maggie hassan uh sat down it was kind of weird they weren't on so i don't know if it's because she's old or they just do things different in new hampshire but it was like it was a debate on couches that they sat in like lounge chairs and they had podcast microphones and, but they did it before an audience, and, and it was, you know, considered uh, the, the Senate debate. So one of our favorite Senate seat flippers, the general, Don Boldock, uh, came on strong and had a really good showing in this debate. He called her out. First of all, wants to get it right out of the way, the, the, her stupid stance on abortion and how a lot of people in the grand state don't really give a shit about it. Let's hear it.
16: Well, I have no idea because I don't have reference uh, to that. But bottom line is, and ma'am, I wish you would please listen to me because I can read your mask. I do not support, I do not support a federal ban either for or against abortion at the federal level. It is now a state issue, which she does not understand. I support New Hampshire's law. I support Granite Staters. She lies. I've told her this personally in several venues, and she continues to lie. Her commercials are hurtful. Her commercial about me wanting to murder mothers is disgraceful. It's disgraceful. And it brought my eight-year-old granddaughter to tears. I have worked my entire life to protect men and women and children. My entire life. And I will never, ever put anyone's life in jeopardy. These accusations are hurtful. She talks about working with people. She talks about wanting to get out there on the ground. Well, I've been out there on the ground. I know what these ads do. I know what these lies do. Lying about Social Security, okay, well, lying move, about everything. We're
6: talking about abortion right now. We're going to move to the center. moment. I've got one. I've no got... ban.
16: Support the state law. I will always do that. So no, no role
6: for the federal government on any issue touching. No,
16: the... no, no, no. And I've told Mitch McConnell and I've told Lindsey Graham.
2: Boom, got him. And that's it. You, you mm. listen. The Supreme Court made a ruling. Every single candidate that's gone out there on the Republican side says, this is my stance on abortion. This is where I stand with abortion. They've drawn a fine line between the two. And and when he's saying he wants it to go back to the states, listen, you don't like it, go vote your state legislator out. I don't think it's going to happen. I I think we're going to see, by 2026, I I think we're going to see anywhere between 40 and 45 states where, unless it's ridiculously extreme circumstances, you are not going to be able to get an abortion. I, I really do feel that way. I think it's such an issue when when we really get back into power and start showing the people the receipts of how many millions of babies have been murdered over the past 20, 30 years. Uh like like it's you,
9: actually human beings inside, yes. not just a pump of cells. <laughs>
2: and, and we're talking about at levels that are so astronomical you can't even wrap your brain around it to where like the thing any term abortion is used the same way as a plan B pill or a condom. It's it's absolutely fucking disgusting. It's one of the worst dirty secrets of the United States that not enough people talk about. And I love the fact that the Supreme Court made that rulings, and it gives all of our candidates the opportunity to push it out of their fucking vernacular and back down to the state level where it belongs. It should be wherever you live. If you want to live in Sodom and Gomorrah, you go vote for fucking past term abortions. If you want to be
9: there act- wherever they're doing it. Yeah, actual you
2: know? actual human beings. And listen, you make a decision and you have to live with it. Then then, then you go ahead and, and you take it that way. Uh, he would quickly segue off that. They would move on to the economy, which is, we all know after talking to the general on the show is something that's really been hurting in the Grand State. Let's hear him uh, talk about Maggie San's economic failures.
16: I have been to every town and city in the state and Granite Staters are hurting. They're making choices between heating and eating. Retirees are going back to work. Interest rates have doubled. Yep. What does that mean? That means that a five thousand dollar home two years ago, the mortgage would be seventeen hundred. Today, that mortgage is now twenty seven hundred. Everything has doubled. Oil, gas, food, everything. And it's her fault. Yep. Her votes have driven that.
2: And that's it. What what did we say? You define your issues, you stick to the issues. And if they're a sitting congressperson, you fucking nail them on their voting records. Mm-hmm. 98% exactly. of the time, Maggie Hassan votes with Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer in the Senate. So he, he was more than up to task. We know he's a fighter. We're looking to get the general back on the show. I just talked with his campaign manager, Jimmy, yesterday. The thing is, he's moving around. We might get him to call in. So we'll have to see. And, then, and you know, it's going to take us to the crown jewel of the midterm uh, election debate stage. This week, I think we've all been pretty excited. I know Noah's extremely excited for our last coverage of the midterm election roundup. Osverse Fetterman.
1: Ooh,
9: nice. it's painful. Like Only caught clips. I didn't watch the whole thing. It's, oh. all, it's all you need. It was brutal, dude.
2: Brutal, brutal. Yikes! I, I can't even.
9: I, I've never seen anything like that in my entire life, and I didn't watch the whole thing. <laughs> I
0: mean, it's it's worse than <laughs> it's it's worse than Kamala Harris doing one of her book report speeches.
2: Yes, if- it, it's Kamala Harris if she had a stroke and then had to talk for an hour straight. That's literally what it is. Yeah, and, I
9: just don't uh, get it. It has to, like I, like a part of me is like this has to be. I feel bad for the guy. I, I really do.
2: I, no,
0: I, I, I feel bad for the guy because there are people that are telling him he should continue to do this.
9: Like his wife, who's his handler, obviously, clearly. Yeah. Like, come on. I don't feel bad for him at all.
0: No, and I'm sure, you know, maybe before the stroke, he was a little bit more on he top did. of it, but but it's just like. I
9: yeah. mean, I know. I yeah. know where you're coming from, but I'm just so. No, old. I mean,
0: he's definitely, his, his policies and his ideas are absolute trash, and therefore he is a trash person. But for his disability, like that, it kind of sucks that people are letting him do this.
9: Yeah, I feel like. Because
0: nobody hard. thought this was going to go well. Nobody thought, like, this is going to be fine. He's going to do a good job.
9: I mean, this is the best they can do, really. If, if he wins, then clearly it's going to be, like...
0: There are people still that are going to just go out and donate to him and vote for him just because he's the other side of the ticket.
2: I have heard I heard a really good take on that the other day, and, and we'll get into it in news, too. But, you know, the fact of the matter was, was Dr. Oz up for this debate? We know he's been campaigning strong. He's got... Uh, developed a huge grassroots movement. Not only has he gone into the most urban, And, uh, you know, pummeled areas throughout the state of Pennsylvania, deep into the battleground, uh, definitely blue parts of the state. He's attended Phillies games. He's attended Eagles games and uh, really got out there with the crowd. You know, he's going to have his third Trump rally of this election cycle, I believe, on the 5th of uh, October, almost at the end of the election season right now. And he has really come on strong. But his performance on the debate stage was going to be, you know, well, up for debate. Let's hear Dr. Oz getting in there and uh, taking it to John Fetterman.
8: I want to now turn to public safety. Mr. Fetterman, Republicans have called you dangerously soft on crime. Oof. The Pennsylvania State Troopers Association has endorsed Democrat Josh Shapiro for governor. But in this race, it endorsed your Republican opponent, Mr. Oz. What is your response to those endorsements? Mister? And what is your response to accusations the that you are,
4: quote, dangerously soft on crime? You have 60 seconds. No, I I I believe that I run on my record on crime. You know, I ran to <laughs> be mayor back in 2005 in order to fight gun violence, and that's exactly what I did. In working with the police and working with our community, I was say I was able to stop gun violence for five and a half years as mayor. Ever accomplished before or since my time as as mayor? Because I'm the only person on this stage right now that has. Con- It it was successful about pushing back against gun violence and being the community more safe. You know, all he's done is just put a plan up on his website in the last 24 hours. He has no experience. He has never made any attempt to try to address crime during
5: his entire career
4: except showing up for photo ops here in Philadelphia.
5: I will give you fifteen seconds to respond to that, and then I have a question for you. The Fraternal Order of Police from Braddock, the small town he represented, endorsed me. They supported me got because him. what he's saying is not true. Violence skyrocketed in Braddock. I mean, the town wasn't in a good shape when John got there. It got worse when he was there. People kept leaving, so of course you're going to have uh, you know all kinds of aber- aberrations. But John, the okay. city was dangerous under your leadership, and that's why uh, the I don't want
2: to turn to you now, Mr.
16: Ross. So, is,
2: is that Bell part of theirs? Yeah, they did not have a uh apparatus bill. It's like a boxing match. And I like it. Um thank you. Well, Doctor Oz came to fight and, and he had receipts and, and pointed out the fact that listen, John Fetterman's the town where he was a mayor in Braddock is a ghost town now. All of the businesses have shuttered. They I think believe they have one operational high school there and uh it's it's homelessness, dr- rampant drug use, and uh the standard level of crime for you know, uh, suburbs of, of Philadelphia are really, uh, what his, he, he's left it, his legacy. Yeah. 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 So, um, well th- there was going to be a lot of other receipts too. J- John Fetterman has weighed in extensively on the fact that he goes into that whole one world government and loves open borders. So of course, you know, when the topic of borders came up, Dr. Oz was ready to hammer him on that. Let's hear it
5: understand what legal immigration offers us but the completely porous open nature of our border which john fetterman supports has created a humanitarian crisis with cartels profiting with human trafficking operations they take the money they buy narcotics from china yep. and bring that into our country and it's making every state a border state pennsylvania is already a border state because we're top three in the country in fentanyl overdoses at least i can't go anywhere where i and giving a a big event where I don't meet multiple people who say their personal lives have been destroyed because of fentanyl overdoses. Yet John Fetterman not only wants an open border, not only supports sanctuary cities, but he wants to legalize all hard drugs in America, including narcotics. That is, I mean, out of- touch with everybody that radical position was tried in oregon which he endorsed 50 homicide increase rate
2: oh yep it certainly did it's like a boxing match <sighs> well i tell you what the except only person...
5: one of them showed up punch drunk already
2: yeah uh, the only person that was landing the body blows was uh, dr oz apparently he talked about how That's mr oz to you Ooh. i like it <laughs> um he talked about also you know Look at where we were at. This, this debate happened on the, the evening of the 25th, and uh, look at how close we are to Election Day. We know it's a big mail-in state in places like Pennsylvania, and it really doesn't give the people who vote early the opportunity to, you know, change their minds in regards to actually hearing these messages um and i just think that you know moving forward we've talked about it we're going to need some election debate reform at the state level however that works uh the republican you know campaigns that do the uh the committees who make up the rule for these debates it's it's one of those things where you know we just can't have people not talking okay and if you want to run and hide like Josh Shapiro has in Pennsylvania, like Katie Hobbs has in Arizona, it doesn't solve any of the problems. It allows people to build false narratives and it allows them to not, you know, own up to their words. Maggie Hassan learned about that the hard way when she sat across the stage from, uh, well, sat across in a lounge chair uh, right next to Don Boldock and and her commercial records on uh, abortions and his stance on that was, was taken to task. Dr. Oz also reminded John Fetterman uh, of something along the thread, saying that he had to basically beg him to fucking come to a debate tonight and go under all these stipulations. Let's hear it.
5: We made a deal with the wonderful seniors of our nation. They worked their hearts out. They paid into a program. No one's going to touch it on my watch except to make sure that it's stronger than it is right now. Social Security, Medicare, which I know a lot about as a doctor, are the fundamental uh, element of security for our seniors, and they deserve to feel like they're valued by our nation. John Fetterman, again, has been running ads and saying that I'm against those with no proof. I've never said anything different than what I'm saying to you on this stage. But in an effort to fearmonger with people who are older and can be taken advantage of, he'll run these ads. John, it's re- reprehensible, but it's also reflective of your approach to doing these things. You haven't shown up on the campaign trail. You haven't answered questions from voters not once on the campaign trail. You haven't answered questions from media once on the ma- campaign trail, even you know just to show off that you could do it. And this is the only debate I could get you to come to talk to me on. And I had to beg on my knees to get you to come. And if it wasn't for Dennis probably getting involved, I don't think it would have happened. Seniors need to know more about your radical left positions. And I need to be able to tell them about my positions. That's what democracy is built on. We exchange ideas. The voters decide you have hidden from it.
2: Yeah, that's true. And he has, I mean, we've seen so many hot mic moments where he's, uh, you know, getting asked either going onto the stage or coming off the stage, walking in and out of events, what his stance was. And just to get a couple off the cuff words from, you know, uh, his position on things from the reporters and, he just kind of looks blankedly at them and, and continues to walk away. So he, he didn't have anywhere to run on that debate stage the other night. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's not even the worst of it. So Noah, did you see the vapor lock moment during the debate? Oh, um, which one? Well, the one where they were talking about fracking. So John Fetterman, there's dozens of receipts. He's done podcasts where he's against fracking. He doesn't want fracking in Pennsylvania. He's e- even 2015. He signed legislation.
0: I think people. I think a lot of people don't even understand what fracking is.
2: Saying that it's com- it's committed to you know ending fracking in mm-hmm. in, in the Keystone State. Do, do you want to pull up the definition of fracking? Well, it's just it's. Uh pulling natural gas out of the out of the ground basically yeah it's a large component of the of the uh energy independence which we're not tapping into right now and uh you know this was something that they brought up because it's a huge issue in pennsylvania you know we all know that doug Mastriano wants to make uh pennsylvania energy dominant again and uh when we got to the point of the debate where they started talking about just gas prices and energy and, and in general, well, and it's one of those things where John Fetterman had probably his worst moment of the night
0: here. Noah, did you pull it? Yeah, so the technique of fracking involves injecting liquid and
2: other substances
0: at high pressure into tight shale formations that cause small fractures in the rock. Gas that escapes from those cracks is then captured and stored.
2: Not bad. Yeah. Let's hear John Fetterman's response to his stance on fracking. Believe me, the pause is not technical difficulties
4: how critical it is that we produce our own energy and create energy independence. I must correct the record. Uh, uh,
11: Just a second, Mr. Oz, I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking, but there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two?
4: Uh, I, I, I do support fracking and I don't. I don't. I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking.
5: Fetterman, oh, okay. man, thank you, Mr. Fetterman. On to uh, uh, but there, There's not just uh, a statement. You.
4: Uh,
2: uh, I just thought he was gonna like literally Hulk out right there and like throw, throw the podium at the moderators. <clears throat> wow.
0: So another uh, another fun fun fact about, about fracking. Well, I thought you were gonna say about Fetterman. No, I don't have any fun facts about Fetterman.
2: Fun facts. I've always supported fracking and I'll always support fracking because Fetterman mad. Yeah. So it it takes three to
0: five days to create a fracking well. Okay. Most will produce gas or oil for two to four decades. Mm.
2: So let's talk about
0: energy in the fucking pendants.
2: You know what? Dr. Oz had probably the greatest closing statement of the night. Of course, you know, I've pulled it for you all. Mm. Believe it or not, we are going to have another Hulk mad moment in that closing statement, even though they're not supposed to do that. Get ready for the garrison button. Let's see how quick your trigger finger is.
5: i love traveling to the four corners of the beautiful Commonwealth, and I've heard your problems. I'm a surgeon. Doctor, I listen to what you say, and I'm trying to help address them today. I've talked to seniors worried their Social Security checks wouldn't go far enough with the raging inflation. I've talked to couples wanna make their first down payment on a new house and they can't afford it anymore because of interest rates. I've talked to families. You want petrified. to cut Social
4: Security.
11: M- Mr. Oh. Fetterman, it's his turn for his closing.
5: I've talked to, to families worried about fentanyl showing up in their mailbox and literally taking the lives of their children who they find blue in bed. I, I've talked to families who won't let their kids go outside because of the crime wave that's been facilitated by left radical policies like the ones John Fetterman has been advocating for. But here's the deal. None of this has to happen. This is all very addressable. I'm a surgeon, I'm not a politician. We take big problems, we focus on them, and we fix them. We do it by uniting, by coming together, not dividing. And by doing that, we can get ahead. But I've got one question to challenge you with, just one question, if you take what I'm saying to heart. Ask yourself this and others in your family. Are you unhappy with where America's headed? Yes. I am, and if you are as well, then I'm the candidate for change. I'm a living embodiment of the American dream. I believe we're the land of opportunity, the land of plenty. I believe we can balance a budget without recklessly spending. I believe we can have have an unleashed energy policy that helps us all. I believe that we can have safe city streets and a secure border so legal immigrants can come across, but you shut the fentanyl out. I believe we can give parents choice in where their kids go to school. We can have affordable health care, But most of all, I believe in you. And if you can do this together, and we can, I would ask for your vote on Election Day. God bless you.
2: Nice. I like it. Yeah. Strong. I mean, the only controversial thing that Dr. Oz says, he, you know, as a doctor, I'm sure he has a little bit different take than everybody on abortion. Uh, but his stance was, you know, the, the decision for that is between uh, a woman and her doctor and the state they live in. You know, that's kind of where where he left it and and didn't really want to get into anything else. But we heard Don Bulldog kind of say the same stuff. And, and, you know, moving forward with Election Midterm Roundup, we're going to stay in the same thread, but we're going to go live. We're going to do it live mm. uh, with someone who's got her only debate um, this coming week with uh, radical incumbent Dick Blumenthal. We're going to be sitting down now with the uh, Trump-endorsed America First senatorial candidate in the now battleground state of Connecticut. Joining us again on the show, Lior Levy. Thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast.
7: Thank you very much for inviting me back. I'm oh. I'm really happy to be with you and and with your viewers.
2: Oh, it's our pleasure. How's everything going on the campaign trail? How's it looking as we're hitting the home stretch now? I believe we're just 11 days out from when everybody's going to go to the ballot box and pull a huge referendum on Joe Biden and his ridiculous America Last policies.
7: It is looking fantastic for us. Voters in Connecticut are ready for change. They've had enough of the high prices and the short energy shortage that's going to create rationing of home heating oil here uh, this winter. They've had enough of the crime, the increasing crime in our communities and the indoctrination of our children and the invasion at our border that's frankly coming here because they're flying illegals to Connecticut. And they have been since August of 2021. So... Voters are ready for change. The polls have tightened. The generic ballot shows that it's a two-point race with a 2.8 margin of error. All the polls, whether they're reliable or skewed Democrat, show that I am winning the independence and that even undecided Democrats are leaning my way. So it's very exciting.
2: No, you touched on a bunch of different things there. Now the illegals being flown into Connecticut, not highlighted as much as it should be, but definitely something that we've tracked from the beginning. We talked with you last time you were on the show with us. It's just something that when you look at it from the top to bottom, not only is the whole morality of it wrong, it goes against U.S. law. It destabilizes the economy and everything from jobs and wages to crime and your children's schools, including their test scores, when all of these children who are coming in with family units are integrated into the community forcefully. And uh, it has to be something that, like you said, the, the, the constituents there in the great state of Connecticut have to be absolutely fed up with it.
7: They really are. And you know what else they're fed up with? The fact that that my opponent, Blumenthal, had three opportunities to vote against using their tax dollars to to pay for these illegals living here in Connecticut. And all three times he did not vote against that. And it's their tax dollars going when they can't even feed their own families, fill their gas tanks, or afford to heat their homes. Mm -hmm. That's what's making people really angry. Also fentanyl, we have a very serious fentanyl problem here. I had a round table with uh, police a couple of days ago. I've been endorsed by the Connecticut Fraternal Order of Police and fentanyl is a major problem it's killing our young people it's killed babies eight babies in connecticut up through through and including teenagers and young adults in their 20s i've met with mothers who have lost their children to fentanyl it's heartbreaking for me as a mother and it, and we must close that border and end this scourge on our country
2: no, that's a great point you make there. Now, a lot of the things that some of the, uh, well, I'd say an overwhelming majority of the House reps and Senate candidates, including, you know, Blake Master, Herschel Walker, they've brought it up, holding Alejandro Mayorkas come, come January. Do you, do you feel that that's something that needs to be on the docket that's going to really, I mean, I, I feel that even if we win back the Senate, he's going to push hard to just push regular appropriations through in regards to funding DHS. We can't have that anymore. Are you looking to hold him accountable for the stuff that he's done over the last two years?
7: Absolutely, he must be held accountable. He has been irresponsible. He's created a national security threat, a public health threat. They are, with fentanyl coming across that border, they are killing, they are decimating a generation of young Americans. This is our future that's on the line and we must close that border and end this. Alejandro Mayorkas must be held accountable.
2: I think we should bring back tar and feathering. (laughs) Well, we're going to get that at least figuratively, I think, after these midterm elections. Leora. one of the things that I saw, I thought it was great the other day. I was watching on uh, Fox Business. You sat down with Larry Kudrow. You talked about the economy and how, you know, uh, Senator Blumenthal has had the opportunity so many times to get this country back on the right track, not with the COVID, give everybody a check act, not with approving, uh, you know, almost 90,000 IRS agents and denying uh, funding for, you know, up to 3,000 new Border Patrol agents and, and CBP officers what are some of the things you're looking at to work with your uh senate counterparts next year in regards to getting this economy uh strong again
7: Well, first of all, the most important thing is to stop the spending, not to fund the slush fund in the energy department or the bank in the EPA or those 87,000 IRS agents who are going to be there just to harass middle class Americans and small businesses. But we must also reignite American energy production, you know, our our this energy shortage is really one of the major reasons for the inflation we're experiencing. They unnecessarily created historically high prices for energy, and, and due to the shortage, due to their failed. Energy policies of closing down the Keystone pipeline, ending exploration on U.S. public and lands and waters, and canceling leases—you, know, this is a, a national security risk. Oh, not to mention releasing almost, I think, between thirty and forty percent of of our uh, strategic petroleum reserve. This is reckless, reckless and foolish. It's a national security risk. All of those things must be reversed, and, and we must compel this administration to change course.
2: Yeah, that, that's the truth right there. I mean, you just have to look at from the outside looking in. You're a political outsider. You have a strong uh, identity within the Hispanic community within Connecticut, which is also another X factor that a lot of common politicians who run there don't bring to the table. Uh, sitting congressman, uh, Senator Blumenthal has, you know, I believe almost, well, 98% of the time he votes with the Biden-Schumer-Pelosi agenda. And uh, we, we all see after two years of that failed experiment where our country's at. Now – Talking about the last 11 days here, what are you going to be doing on the campaign trail? What kind of events and, and uh, things are you going to be doing on the road are uh, you planning on doing to you know bring this uh, amazing campaign home on Election Day, November 8th?
7: Well, I, one of the things I love doing is attending all the public festivals and events throughout the state and meeting voters where they are. You know, everywhere I go around this state, Democrats and independents, and of course Republicans, but Democrats come up to me and say, don't tell anyone, but I'm voting for you. Yesterday, I had an event in a very Democrat city Hosted by a formerly elected Democrat, and he said he endorsed me. He invited his friends and relatives, and they're all going to vote for me. So I have assembled a broad-based coalition of support in this state of people who understand that the that we must change, and think life doesn't have to be like this. So I will continue to travel the state, meet with voters where they are, and bring home that message. We I'm running to make their lives better. I'm running to make life affordable again. I'm running to make sure their children have the same opportunity that I have had to live an American dream, whatever their dream is. We don't want our children indoctrinated. We want them educated. So all of those those themes are resonating with voters across the spectrum. And that's what that's what I'm talking about.
2: I mean, when you look at it like that, you talk about secure borders, law and order, a strong economy, energy independence, really getting back to the grassroots, improving children's education, uh, just in general, those common sense. Ideals is is what really has brought so many Democrats, Independents, walkaways, and and you know moderates who might not think like oh yeah you know Republicans just going to go all hardcore and it's not about that anymore. It's getting back to getting this country on the right track again, and I think that's what you know a lot of you guys who are running uh, in the midterm elections this year have have parlayed into uh, outstanding campaigns and and even stronger pushes here as we head. Down the home stretch. The, or we want to be able to direct all of our listenership, anybody that wants to jump on your campaign, whether it be out of state donations, whether it be volunteers in, in the state of Connecticut right now and help you out as you're uh, looking forward to finish stronging here. And um, if you want to give us your social media and campaign website, we'll live link them in the show yes. description today.
7: Thank you. Well, my website is leora4ct.com. L E O R A F O R ct.com. I should also mention we do have a debate on uh, Wednesday night of this coming week, and I'm looking forward to it because I am going to hold Blumenthal accountable for all of the failed policies that he supports, including defunding the police, including supporting the JCPOA Iran agreement in 2015. He will be held accountable. He will have to answer to the Connecticut voters, and I'm looking forward to that
2: i tell you what, you're looking for that down-the-stretch bump right there, and I think it usually comes on the back end of these debates. We've seen it so much. Dr. Oz really shot up after his debate with uh, John Fetterman this week, and then Don, Don Boldock up in uh, New Hampshire, which has also become a battleground this election cycle. We've seen him uh, you know, duking it out with Hassan yesterday, and now his polls are starting to reflect that he's either within the margin of error and surging as well. So we wish you the best of luck and health down the stretch here on the campaign, and we look forward to having you back after the election as a uh, senator-elect.
7: Thank you very much. I look forward to joining you again.
2: This is the, uh, well, she's a political outsider, but she's coming on very strong. The Trump endorsed America first, great state of Canada. Well, I'm a
7: career American. He's a career politician.
2: Got it. That's the difference. And she's a great friend of our show now. Leora Levy, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast.
7: Thank you for having me. All right,
2: coming in next on the show today, she's a reporter for The Daily Caller, joining us for the first time. It surely won't be the last we're looking very forward to uh, having a great conversation with Sarah Weaver. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast.
17: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
2: Oh, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you? I'm pretty sure during uh, these busy times, someone who's doing as much reporting as yourself can only be considered busy.
17: <laughs> yeah, definitely busy, but uh, but super fun, super fun, fast stuff we're reporting on uh, at the Daily Caller. Uh, especially with the trans issues and then obviously coming up in the midterms, there's always a bazillion news stories to be talking about. It's been an absolute blast.
2: Oh, it certainly has. And we're going to get into those issues right now, namely what the war on our children. Um, This is something that you have covered extensively, the trans issues, the normalization of degenerate sexual uh, counterculture to, you know, making children indoctrinated into thinking that this stuff is not only real, but extremely normal and just the way that they're supposed to grow up from a very young age. You have covered this extensively and on so many levels uh, since the beginning, since this is, before it was a hot topic, what are some of the things you're working on right now to bring more awareness and exposing uh, the degenerate left in, in, in the pushing of this stuff on our kids?
17: Well, this uh, this interview happened just in the nick of time, literally about an hour ago. Yeah, actually, it's almost exactly an hour ago. So this, uh, this interview happened just in the nick of time. Uh, the Florida Board of Medicine literally voted about an hour ago to ban uh, sex change surgeries and hormone therapies for children under 18. Um, they had hours of really, really powerful testimony from D transitioners Um, you heard from Chloe Cole and a bunch of others, um, on how children are not equipped to make decisions about this kind of thing. They're not, they're not equipped at such a young age to decide whether or not they want to, you know, uh, cut off their genitals, other things. Um, it's super horrific what's happening. Um, and definitely Florida, you know, is, is taking a step in the right direction here by, um, combating, combating it. Um. You know, DeSantis is pretty much taking the lead on this, and I think the the rules themselves came out that they just voted on came out in response to the HHS recommending that um, transgender dysphoric minors should get uh, surgeries and Mm -hmm. hormone therapy. So we're seeing, you know, a federal response to the Biden administration's uh, trans agenda, which is which is pretty good to see.
0: I don't understand how anybody can think that's a good idea. It's like, I mean, little kids change so much from the. Their formative years until they're a young adult, and then, like, I mean, if I did half the shit that I wanted to do as a small child, and it was permanent, probably holy be shit, I yeah,
2: probably wouldn't be here. Yeah, uh-huh. I Same. think Yeah, no, Sarah, how, how did we get here? Like, we're in such trying times. The world is literally on fire. You know, you want to talk about the economy and gas prices, the open border, the fentanyl crisis, homelessness, geopolitics the threat of World War Three, you name it, there's nothing you can throw at the dartboard that doesn't stick to a real burning topic. And, and here we are, like, literally mutilating and and transitioning small children. They can't make a decision on whether or not they want to wear a mask at school. They can't make a decision on whether or not they want to receive the COVID vaccine to do in-person learning, but yes, they can go and tell their guidance counselor. I want to, you know, transition to the opposite sex just because I saw it on TV or maybe my teacher groomed me or I saw it on TikTok." And next thing you know, it's completely covered up from the parents and, and and you're dealing with this at home after usually it's too late.
9: Mm -hmm, mm
17: -hmm. Look, a lot of it is these flawed studies run by, Basically, LGBT activists. Um, I just did a story yesterday. I think it was, um, on this, this massive study, there was a compilation of like 16 studies that this, um, trans activist, Jack Turbin had said, basically proves that if you don't give sex change hormones and sex change surgery to underage teenagers, you're, they're going to commit suicide and you're going to have blood on your hands. Well, it turned out that after a bunch of great work from, um, people on, on the right side of this issue, they were forced to retract a lot of what their conclusions were about the studies. Cause even the authors of the studies themselves were telling this guy and emailing him the opposite, or maybe it doesn't quite conclude that it concludes kind of something else, you know? Um, right. so that, uh, that was definitely really, really interesting to see. Um, and I think, I think it's more prevalent than, than we think. I think people aren't touching the issue because they think they're going to be called transphobes, but I think the more we have the bravery to speak out about it, the more we're going to prove that a lot of the reasoning that they rely on is actually just, just total baloney when it comes down to it.
2: No, it doesn't. It does parlay into what we're going to talk about next, and that's the uh, incoming class of of elected officials. You know, you, you've done some great coverage on this and how the, uh, the freshman class coming in here could really reshape the actual soul of the GOP uh, moving forward. We have seen... And we have covered extensively over the last two years the entirety of this electorate and the the diversity of this. I mean, you see more prominent Hispanics and African American, young, non traditional Republicans who have resonated to GOP nominees and are in most cases looking like they're going to win their races in huge amounts on Election Day in just eleven days now. What can you say about this in, incoming class, and, and how do you think moving forward? We know there's going to be a, a pushback up on Capitol Hill from, we call it McLeadership on this show, Rana, Kevin, and, and Mitch McConnell. But, uh, you know, once we get through that, that first power wall, it seems like there's people on the other side who are already in Congress who are really ready for a change, and we need to understand why this election is going to be so successful and not, uh, you know, waste the opportunity here.
17: Yeah, look, you know when uh, when Masters was was running just in the primary in the yep. Senate campaign, I knew a lot of people who were the so called experts who were saying he would absolutely never win. Uh, the Republican Party would never go for a candidate like that. He would just he would just spell defeat for the Republicans. Like Masters, you know, is a protege of Peter Thiel. He's yeah. very much on the new right. That's pretty. That's pretty. You know, that's pretty obvious. Uh, same thing with Kerry Lake. Um, and both of them are doing surprisingly well. Carrie Lake is doing extremely well. Blake masters has been closing his lead, uh, ever since the primary. Um, and you know, it turns out that like, especially when it comes to like border, border cities, um, border States, places like that. Um, people don't want politicians who are sort of rolling over and playing dead anymore. Um, they, they really respond super well to, for instance, you see the way like Carrie Lake handles the media. It's a lot like the way trump did um, which obviously really resonated with voters and had a super big populist impact um, because i think the american populace and i'm not alone saying this obviously this isn't like groundbreaking the american populace is very tired of being lied to by the media um and they respond super well to politicians that look at the media and say stop stop lying you know to the american people um and i think that's what these new right candidates do in a lot of ways
2: yeah, it, it certainly does, and, and it looks like they have a real opportunity to reshape the face of the GOP, and pretty much the soul of it, too, because we need to get away from like fiscal conservatism, saying you're going to do something for Obamacare, and comprehensive immigration reform is just not going to cut it from some old white man in a suit moving forward. I definitely think we need this new, energized base. We, we see it when they're out campaigning to hundreds, sometimes thousands, depending on the event, and uh, it's really resonated well. And I think it, it leads into what else I want to talk to you about, is what happens after the midterm elections. Now, you know, we, we've we outlined extensively on this show, we're, we're, we're extremely well-connected with with Trump world in general. And if you just look at it top to bottom, people like Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, and especially Alejandro Mayorkas can all be up for impeachment on the other side of this election right now. They've all done things that have, you know, met the minimum standard for high crimes and misdemeanors. When you talk about the weaponization of the, the DOJ, the internal documents that hasn't been that have been released to the public in regards to Merrick Garland. And you also have, you know, some of the stuff that they've done to Donald Trump and whether or not there's a gray area of legality there, Joe Biden for obviously the Afghanistan with disaster and what's going on on the U S Southern border. And then Alejandro Mayorkas for being the head of uh, the department of Homeland security. looks like he's going to be zero for two and making it through as head of federal agencies. We all know back in the day, he was disgracedly stepped down from CIS after he ruined it there. There was a bunch of pay for play visas. And things of that nature. But what he's done on the southern border now, it's incomprehensible. We've never seen anything like it. It's only getting worse. Uh, What do you think, you know, how bad he's done a job of of what he's looking at on the other side of this election?
17: Yeah, uh, that's that's something I wrote on just yesterday. Um, I interviewed some experts who, you know, all told me that there's definitely a big case to be made that he should be impeached. Um, I think one of the more egregious and more recent examples of what Mayor Mayorkis has done, that's been pretty egregious. Um, obviously in addition to just the general border crisis that he's just let happen, but the, you know, it basically being revealed that he knew that his own border agents were not whipping the migrants when those, those, uh, pictures resurfaced, yeah. but he still went in front of, you know, the American public and told the media that this was, you know, an evidence of systemic racism and made it much harder for border patrol to do their jobs. I think they ended up. I think they banned like uh riding on horseback on the on the border um when you know it was literally not even whips they were reins um because these people they just don't know how horses work i suppose um but yeah d- doing that was certainly um certainly a, a, a big um a definitely a case to be made that it was um, an impeachable thing that he did just there but uh, the border it's so so the Illuminati didn't really care too much about it but now you know you have uh you have Abbott and you have Ducey uh busing migrants to these like so-called sanctuary cities and they're having to put their money where their mouth is and they're like hang on it's actually really hard being a border town the border crisis like really really affects like everyday Americans um and I think Mayorcas has really had a dereliction of duty in a lot of ways and um you know um it's possible he does face impeachment proceedings depending on leadership um republican leadership in the house after november
2: yeah. I mean, there are those who say he, he, in addition to those false comments he made about the, the horseback border patrol agents that he lied to Congress about operational control, complete and total is what he said we had. We all know that that's not true. Uh, in addition to every time the Supreme court or a federal judge, uh, issues something that they're doing as unlawful, to the department of Homeland security, he just goes, uh, you know, around them and writes administrative policies and basically, you know, circumvents what the rulings were to continue to do the things that have done nothing but harm this country, uh, we talk about it on the show very frequently. Uh, about you know the the border patrol has worked so hard during the pandemic. They were exposed to so much stuff. The line of duty deaths was ten times the amount for the last ten years. It was in the last three. In addition. The, the suicide rate among Border Patrol agents is up ridiculous numbers. I think they've amassed the same amount as they did the previous 10 years just in the last three as well. And they're, they're in such dire circumstances down there. I mean, impeachment would be some kind of a moral victory, but those guys, at the end of the day, what they really need is a little bit of relief. And uh, we would hope that on the other end of a red tsunami that we're hoping for on November 8th, they might be able to get that in, in, in budgets moving forward. Sarah, we definitely would like to have you back on this show at some point uh, moving forward. We, we had a great conversation with you today. I implore our listenership to go and find out all of your good works and articles and interviews that you're doing. If you want to tell us where we could find you across social media as well, of course, link you and the daily caller in the show description today.
17: Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, read the daily uh, I do my reporting there. Obviously there's also some other super fantastic reporters, um, including our border reporter. If you're interested in that, um, that topic, she does really great work there. Um, and then, yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Sarah Hope Weaver. That's Sarah with an H.
2: Perfect. And uh, like I said, we'll be looking to have you back after the midterm elections, maybe before Thanksgiving, depending on your schedule. And uh, we'll be looking to get into all the great things that you continue to work on there for the Daily Caller. This is a reporter for the same agency, Miss Sarah Weaver. Thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast.
6: I think that message came through very clearly. I think his answers were, were very direct. Oh. I think there was some real question on the other side about, a number of answers were that it didn't seem to be a yes or no, but I think John did very well, and I think oh. he, he understands uh, how people oh. struggle, he understands what working families are up against every day, and I think that came, came through throughout the debate. Really? I,
0: he understands? God. Clear and concise. Well, did a good job.
2: veteran mad. Veterans there were smash. some
0: questions about the answers on the other side. Mm-hmm. Questions about the answers. Mm-hmm. The fucking moderator asked you to confirm something and you didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean you did. Ish. I mean you
2: Yeah. <laughs> well So that was sitting Senator.
9: Yeah.
2: Oh man, I, I can't even with these people, they're so ridiculous. Yeah, that was that was sitting Senator Bob Casey who uh weighed in.
0: I can only imagine his politics, given the fact that he's just i know running with the script, saying that <laughs> this person is the peak level of political competence
13: Obviously, and yeah, physical acuity.
9: <laughs> well, you no, know, these people have no shame. Mm-mm. Well, if you
2: think that one was a banger, wait till you hear KJP weigh in on oh. just how Joe Biden feels about the fallout from that debate. Oh, Let- so
9: now she can talk about what he thinks.
2: The president feels that um, uh, the lieutenant governor's decision to participate
14: in that debate was um, an important moment in terms of um, welcoming people who have disabilities into the public sphere um, and whether that was important symbolically. Look,
11: the president, uh, as I said, is very impressive by his courage uh, and. uh, that he sees from the lieutenant governor. I'm not going to get into any analysis of if he should have or should have not. Uh, but clearly, uh, you know, uh, when you are in those positions, when you are a lieutenant governor, you are also a leader and, and, and uh, uh, on many levels. And, uh, and so, again, you know, we are impressed by his courage. We are impressed uh, by uh, what he's been able to accomplish uh, these past several months. And
2: give me a break. You talk about no fucking shame. I mean, listen, you're, you're literally talking about the spokeswoman who covers for Joe fucking Biden, but
9: the the resident.
2: Oh my God. When I heard that yesterday, I was just like, I felt embarrassed. I got like tinglys on the back of my neck, listening to her talking about stunning and braveness.
0: She must just go home and just slap herself with a wet noodle. (laughs) Just flog herself. You're, you're a dirty, trashy person.
9: She doesn't like noodles. (laughs)
0: That's true. You ruined everything. You have no <laughs> self-respect. She goes and flogs herself with a taco. How's that? <laughs> is it a breakfast taco?
2: Okay. So let's let's bring this back into the, the real world.
0: Mm, I don't think there is one anymore.
2: Well, you talked about it and I said we were gonna circle back to it at the beginning of the show. And Tucker Carlson actually weighed in. He beat us to it this time. Your today's narrative was part of his last night's breakdown of Osby Fetterman. And I think you're going to like where this one's going, Noah. Let's hear it.
8: But there's something bigger going on here. Fetterman's candidacy, like Joe Biden's candidacy two years ago, tells us something pretty dark about the Democratic Party. What it tells us is the Democratic Party has such contempt for voters and for democracy itself, and so much confidence in its ownership of the media and of big tech, that it no longer has to try to win your votes. Democrats can run Raphael Warnock, an aggressively anti-Christian, fake Christian pastor whose wife detailed abuse allegations against him on camera. And that's okay. It's still good enough for a Senate seat in Georgia because the machine keeps working. It's not about the person. It's about the party. It's not about the individual. It's about the group. And to prove it, they can even run mentally defective candidates who can barely speak. And not only expect them to win, but expect you to accept the outcome no matter how transparently absurd it is. On November 9th, they'll be telling you that John Fetterman got 81 million votes in Pennsylvania, and they'll threaten to put you in jail <laughs> if you don't believe it. Why wouldn't they do that they work with Joe Biden?
2: And, and that's literally, <laughs> that's the sad part of it. Here's the thing. Dr. Oz is probably going to win by two or three points in Pennsylvania, and we're actually going to believe that that's a legitimate outcome. Perfect.
9: Yeah.
2: I mean, th- there is no place in the multiverse where, where we're in this timeline right now and dr oz doesn't walk by at least 10 points mm-hmm. af- especially after that debate i don't care how close it is to election day agreed i mean the guy literally belongs in a hospital he cannot talk and just just watching that and and the way it played out and the way the media so bob casey that piece of shit senator believe it or not the only place that would air garbage like that. Not even on MSNBC. He went on Fredo Cuomo's show now that you can only watch. I don't even know what fucking outlet it's on. You, you got to download a Roku app to to watch him on a nightly basis, but that's where he's slumming these days. And, uh, you know, we've gotten to the point of like almost no return. That's how critical this this midterm election is to, to everyone. Um, I think that you can't take in for granted what they're going to do, what kind of tricks. I mean, that's why we'll have Christina Bob live on the ground in Michigan on election night because she needs to go up there because of all the bullshit that's happened there in years past. So it, 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 it's reached a point to where they are just force-feeding you false information, like, on a ridiculous basis. Like, you can watch that hour debate, and then within, like, 20 seconds you have people saying, oh, yeah, everything's fine. The guy, What a friggin' model for mental health and all this other stuff. You know, so, well... The the satanic cult that governs our nation met yesterday uh for some events on the road. Schumer, Pelosi, Biden, and friends were all out on the campaign trail together. That Chuck Schumer actually had a hot mic moment on the tarmac and uh it was caught by reporters. Let's hear it.
3: Let's
14: see.
3: It looks like,
14: it looks like the, the debate didn't hurt us as much in Pennsylvania, so that's And we're
3: picking in the back. Yeah. 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 Right. Right.
12: did they they down, it's hard to believe, but they will go for
14: yeah. By the way, the tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah, yeah but our boat, our girls, it's Huge. It's huge. Yeah. The it's like, it's
2: not a and that's basically Chuck
0: Schumer lying to Joe Biden so, so I mean he, that, audio, that audio was almost unusable I couldn't hear a thing
9: Did, yeah I couldn't hear anything I was, was there doing... subtitles?
2: No, but the gist of it was it looks like the debate didn't hurt us too much in Pennsylvania, so that's good. That's unequivocally false. Dr. Oz is leading in just about every poll right now, even from the fake news media ones. Um, it says, what was that an undercover video or is that just like shitty audio from an interview? They were at the tarmac talking, like oh, huddling up like and the, the press was there. Huddled behind a jet engine, apparently. <laughs> Pretty much. And then again, lies. Remember, Laxalt Lombardo polls came out on Tuesday, which showed both of them are now surged to almost five point leads in both of their polls. And it says it looks like we're really picking up steam in Nevada. Also false. And mm-hmm. then he says the state where we're going downhill in right now is Georgia. It's hard to believe that they would go and vote for somebody like Herschel Walker. Um, So they're sort of just filling Joe Biden up with some fake info right there based off of nothing that's within the realms of reality. Yeah, And, uh, you know, we we, we just have to take into consideration right now that uh, who knows what tricks they're going to pull up their sleeves from up their sleeves uh, as we're hitting it down here uh, on the end of the campaign trail. So Joe Biden had speaking events yesterday. I believe he was in Iowa and who the hell else knows? Listen, I pulled a couple of them. You guys know anything about Kellogg's Raisin Bran? Mm. I just know that Hunter Biden had yeah. tweaking events.
9: Well, I know Kellogg's rais- raisin brand, but oh, you didn't.
2: You didn't think it was relevant to this election cycle. Let's say, Is hear there the bugs in it now. The forty-six president of the United States mm-hmm. talk about it.
0: Turn to the economy. Today's GDP report shows that the U.S. economy grew 2.6 percent in the third quarter. What's your top line reaction to that? Top
1: line reaction is really good. There's nothing bad about the report. Nothing bad about the report. And the core inflation is actually down about a point and a half. We're in a situation where we've created more jobs. We're in a situation where, and look, the price of gasoline is falling. The price of gasoline just in the last several months is down dollars 26 or 27 Where? and if the if Not the here. oil companies start to charge what they should be charging oh, okay. based on the cost of a barrel of oil they'd be down another 40 cents and I'm going to keep pushing until they get it down. But what do you say
0: to Americans? Because gas prices to many people are still too high. Groceries are still expensive. What's your message to My
1: message is we're getting them down. I told you I'd bring them down. We're bringing it down. I come from a family where when gas prices went up or food prices went up. What happened? What happened was it was a conversation at the kitchen table. And we're doing a whole lot of other things. And by the way, the food prices—the main driver of food prices—is not the price of beef and eggs, et cetera. Although they're up, it's packaged goods. Packaged goods. You're going to see people not buying Kellogg's uh, raisin bran, which you're you're going to see them buy another raisin bran, which would be a dollar cheaper. I mean, so what's happening is there is real movement. We're better positioned than any country in the world, oh. any major country in the world. Oh. And our economy is growing and oh. is still in a, a place where it's leveling out oh. in a ra- rational means. Oh. The other thing is that I think you're going to see that people are looking to as long uh, as say, ever. wow price not only, gas is down, but the price of, I'm not getting charged for overdrafting my checks. I'm not getting charged. There's all kinds of things we're doing. He's
2: off the rails.
1: And one of the big things was, well, we're we were able stop. to, what we did with the Main Inflation Reduction now? Act, is reduce the cost of a lot of things for people. Things that they need. Prescription drugs. You know, the idea that uh, most of, uh, senior citizens going to have to pay for their drugs per year is 2000 Some are paying $13,000, 15000 because of cancer drugs that changes 2000 max if in fact they raise the price like they did on 1200 prescription drugs last year from pharma companies guess what if they raise it higher than the price of inflation they got to pay it back to medicare so there's a lot going on to reduce people's you
2: hear that guys there's a lot going on if you missed the raisin brand talking point he said well Uh you know a lot of people enjoy kellogg's raisin brand but you know what there's a lot of inflation going on right now so you buy the generic brand and it's a dollar less
9: God.
2: No, no you look confused I
9: don't, I don't even know what to say
2: i know it's hard coming in off oz v Fetterman. i mean who doesn't
0: like a nice uh, heaping bowl of fruit o's <laughs>
2: <laughs> i know we come back after uh, oz and fetterman's debate and and give you a Two and a half minute clip of Joe Biden talking. Wait, about no, I get it. Everything. I get it. We
0: got the off-brand president.
2: Yeah, we certainly did. Exactly. We got the Wish version That's of of oh, the president. Yeah, we definitely got days. the Wish
0: first lady. That was the best meme. <laughs> when you when you order a first lady off Wish.
2: Jesus. Uh, yeah, she looks like every piece of my grandma's uh, sofa. Yeah, sofa. So and and then he would take off from Iowa. He'd finish the day in Syracuse, mm. where when. I mean, everybody on the, in the universe knows how great the economy was uh, when Donald Trump left office, even though we were still in the midst of the, the pandemic, the stock market was up, there was no inflation, it was under 2%, this, that, and the other thing. Joe Biden, on the other hand, rem- remembers an alternate United States, let's hear it.
1: It made a string of broken promises in places like Wisconsin, Indiana, Ohio, where promised investments in jobs and manufacturing never materialized, but layoffs and shuttered factories did materialize. On my watch, we've kept our commitments. On my watch, Made in America isn't just a slogan, it's a reality. Made in America. Today's announcement is the latest example of my economic plan at work. I've said from the beginning that my objective is to build an economy from the bottom up up and the middle out economy that rewards work, not just wealth, an economy that works for everyone, so the poor have a ladder up, the middle class can do better, and when that happens, the wealthy do very well. They don't get hurt at all. They do very well. It's a fundamental shift, and it's working compared to what the very conservative Republicans are offering these days. Mm. Let's just take a look at the facts. When I took office, the economy was in ruins. (laughs) My predecessor was the first president since Herbert Hoover. Not a joke to he lose was, jobs was, oh, oh. in the entirety of his administration. Got first, it. perfect unemployment when to I was sworn in was at six point four percent. Hundreds of thousands of small businesses closed. The irony is that during the pandemic, the record number of Americans became, at the same time, we lost all these small companies. The record number of Americans became billionaires what? in the middle of this crisis. Walmart, while mm-hmm. more than Amazon? nine million people. We're still out of work from the pandemic when I took office. I thought they were millionaires. Today, with the help of the people behind me, oh! we're in a much better place. Ten million jobs created since we took office. A record for any administration yeah, no. in American history.
2: You let people start working again, you fuck.
0: Unemployment
1: oh! is at 3.5%. The lowest has been in 50 years.
2: So if he, he admitted right there that nine million jobs were lost during the pandemic. Let's just say he recreated every single job that was lost. Does that mean he only has created 1 million jobs since the start of his administration since he says he's created 10 million jobs? Yes. Mm. I which, mean, Which makes him the worst jobs president ever.
0: Basically. And if you're going to take credit for just bringing back jobs, yeah, awful.
2: Listen here, Jack. What a retard. You don't like raisin flakes?
0: by <laughs> raisin man's.
2: Oh, sorry, I can't do that. And listen, we just can't escape the midterms. This week, it's so close to the election day. In our last audio clip of the week, I don't know if you guys had heard, over the last 48 hours, Carrie Lake has had some uh, interesting developments. Believe it or not, the cable affiliate in Phoenix, where she used to report from. Oh, so Fox News is calling something even earlier now? Mistakenly <laughs> showed election results that had that last night, yeah, Katie Hobbs winning fifty three to forty seven percent.
9: That's so fucking
2: funny. So
0: now they're going to have to change their their numbers that they're just going to make up.
2: There is no reality where Katie Hobbs gets there's anywhere no near fifty percent. Well, no. I mean, Mm-mm. she's yeah. going to she's going to have the biggest gubernatorial margin, second probably only to Ron DeSantis. Probably could have told me that you know before Biden got elected that there's no reality. Where. True story. Carrie Lake did a press conference addressing this yesterday, but before we get into her words, because I think it's an awesome way to end the week on a good soundbite, it's breaking news right now that mm. Carrie Lake has officially endorsed the candidacy of Doug Mastriano for the next governor of Pennsylvania. Nice. So now it's official. We start the show with Doug Vember, and we end the show with Carrie Lake. She said it better than most. Let's hear it.
15: I didn't throw a bunch of statements out, but we had an incident. Or somebody was seen rummaging in our campaign office mm. and I have evidence to believe it may have been Katie Hobbs herself yes. who was involved what? in this oh. mm-hmm. and so I want you to take the same vigor you put into the story the lies that were spread yesterday and I want to make sure you guys I saw last night Fox 10 news my old employer wow they actually did more to protect the criminal in this case they blurred his face. They protected Katie Hobbs because they're carrying her water, and they defamed me. They put defamatory statements, lies about me. And the reason they didn't, that they did that, is because this was the real news yesterday that none of you wanted to cover. We're 11 points up. You're in a frenzied panic because your chosen candidate is not winning. You didn't want to cover this, so you had to run with a completely garbage bullshit story. Whoa. Shame on each and every one of you. I
2: Shame. F- fucking love
15: it <laughs> oh i
3: love it yes oh, and listen
2: she's pissed this is probably one of our most content packed episodes in a while but i just can't tell you guys enough how much it is so important for you guys to be in the know of all the stuff that's going on we're trying to bring you soup to nuts every week every show much to noah's dismay i'm going to show you the list from far away so it looks smaller. Yeah. Sorry, but, you know, we just have to keep pushing on here. This is literally, I I saw, you know, recently you see some conservative Twitter accounts burning out saying they're deactivating until after the election. You guys, we got to stay in this fight. We're just so close. I mean, it's very. I
9: I don't blame people. I understand. It's tiresome. Now is not the time. No. Almost there. Well, that's the thing.
0: They're trying to disenfranchise people. They're trying to knock them down, wear them down to the point where they're just going to give up
9: and that's what they want. Yeah, of course. And
0: they they just want people to like, oh, well, there's no chance of winning, I'm just not even going to bother to vote. And that was the thing. It's like, oh yeah, saying that the election is going to get stolen again. Okay, well, if you think that, then you need to start working towards a response to that. Now. Yeah, exactly. make make a response to that that makes it impossible for them to do so. Huh? Go vote in person on election day.
2: Overwhelm on every election
9: system. day. Do not yeah. use your mail-in ballot. I'm, Unless I'm
2: glad we're doing a live show on election day because I'll be going to vote during the day, then yeah, in, in, instead of having to rush there after and sit in the long lines after the show. But uh, no, you're right, Antoinette and Noah, those are those are excellent points we're all making right now. And the fact of the matter is, they, they've gone for the last year calling Carrie Lake an election denier, they keep telling her, Will you accept the results of election? and then they literally her. have her old job produce her losing on election night when all internal polling is showing her anywhere between seven and 11 points up. It's like so far out of Katie Hobbs's hand right now that you, you, you have to really think what is at play here? What
0: whoever did that is probably suspended or fired. But at the same time, whoever, whoever did that most likely is on board with the team. And they're just like, you know what, this is bullshit that they're already prepping to just give bullshit numbers and call shit way too early so i'm just gonna fucking you know what i'm gonna right click this throw it right up on the screen and walk out which is probably what happened
2: yeah and uh like we said we'll be continuing to track and bring you guys all the stories that uh are important to you moving forward hot damn (laughs) that was a good episode of steak for breakfast a lot of pieces coming together getting close to the election in real time. Cash Patel in real time. Doug Mastriano in real time. Vish Burr in real time. Um, all the other great guests we had today. Oof. A little exhausting, but uh, I think we did it. What do you think, team? Yep. I like it. Um, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear the other 181 editions of the Steak Breakfast podcast, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean, out a Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Beach. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Stay for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today. Gubernatorial candidate, Keystone State, Mr. Doug Mastriano, former special assistant to Donald Trump, Cash Patel, former special assistant and war room exec to Matt Gates, Fishburra, Trump endorsed senatorial candidate out of Connecticut, Leora Levy, and Sarah Weaver one of our favorite outlets the daily caller in addition to them some of our internet friends patriotic babe accounts who white memes else? we usually got connet twitter and of course our great friend christina bob at save america friends don't forget to go throw some cash at our partners because when you do that the only thing that happens is you help make small american businesses great again namely my pillow if you like sleeping at night and drinking coffee in the morning. Boy, has Mike Lindell got a deal for you. You enter promo code Steak at checkout, you're going to get big, big savings. MyPillow.com forward slash Steak for everything sleep-related. If you want deals on the coffee, 25% off MyStore.com forward slash Steak. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best headphones that I have ever owned can be purchased only at Odyssey.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well, the Patriot Cigar Company. We've got an affiliate link in our show descriptions now, so if you click on the link and enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over 100 bucks is free shipping and a $10 e-gift card with every purchase. My Patriot Cigar Company, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike Dunn at West Coast Survival Arms is a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, ammo, and accessories is newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com he's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone 619-870-6992 stay ready to gear holsters man if you want a uh, either a hobo Shrek or a Hulk Fetterman you got some concept art there you could send it over to him and they'll throw it on a Kydex conceal carry holster faster than your order ever get out before you're going to love it enter promo code stay get check out there getting 5% off stay ready stay readygear.com is the website you can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well Man rubs. Anything this week, Noah? I've been kind of taking it easy this week. Yeah, me too. It's kind of busy. But uh, they are delicious, especially when you buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it.
0: There's going to be some man rubs on election day for sure. I like smoker it. The smoker's going to be
2: smoking. So that means that is the cooking apparatus of your choice. Eventually it will come out. We'll pull it and throw it directly into our mouths. Num num num. Oh, Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like all the gear they've got in their store. You're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. Mediocre is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Dumpbox.us. You can find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Tuesday. Ambassador Rick Grinnell is going to be here. We're going to do a little bit of the news with one of our favorites, Miss Christina Baba Save America. And we're going to sit down with a gubernatorial candidate in Maryland, Trump endorse Dan Cox will be back. Live show on the 8th, election night. So far, Christina Bob, Erica Knight, Mike Crispy, Cash Patel, all confirmed. Still waiting on Joe Kent, Mike Collins, J.R. Majewski, and a couple other of our great friends. Grant Stitchfield, formerly of Newsmax, great patriot might also be here as well. It's going to be a great time. Truth Social, country sensation Alex Wilkins, Cash Patel endorsed. We'll be here on the 11th of November. And speaking of which, we'll have our next formal sit-down with Cash Patel on the 15th. Got Devin Nunes in the work, a couple other candidates. We're going to be bringing Gavin Wax back, Alice Brusiewicz back, all of our friends from uh, the Twitterverse. We'll have Jake Denton in here, J.W. Gibbons as well. I'm sure we'll sit down with Theo Wald shortly after Election Day. I've actually been talking to Amanda Millia. She's going to be circling back soon as well. Um, let's see what we got. Friends of the Week. True Social, Twitch, Streamer, Crew, Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kitten, Real Lazy Boss, American Nintendo, Suitcase, CSM Master, Burger Man. Some of our friends from there, Indiana Zoomer, some call me Tim79, Thomas Bama, Jason E. Van Gundy, 13 Gen Patriot. One of Noah's favorites, Ghost Hammer. Oh, yeah. And then some of our internet friends. Listen, second week in a row, sharing all of our stuff. And then called yesterday to come on the show. Doug Mastriano, you make friends of the week. Nice. Because you are one of our friends of the week every week. Uh, who else do we got? Let's go, Brenda. Namrock, Namrock, grand old memes. Listen, Elon Musk, it was like a memer's paradise yesterday. Madam America, John Hacker LA, mostly peaceful and the real meme glory. And guys, things to remember between now and Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. It works out in the end. Let me just put it to you that way. Uh, number two, start a podcast. Noah? Not too bad today. We'll see. I'll take it. The show
0: art's going to be fun.
2: There you go. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We don't talk about it enough. I got a feeling after Election Day this year, we're going to be talking about it a whole lot more. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 182 of the Stake for Records podcast. We'll be back with 183 on Tuesday. Rick Grinnell, Christina Bob, and Dan Cox on behalf of the pod team. I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Antoinette. Hey, guys. Bye. I like it. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. And take care.
9: When I hear people talk about inflation, as I heard them, do we have to change that subject. Inflation is a global phenomenon. It's the EU, the European Union a phenomenon. A phenomenon. A phenomenon.